0: This is Carl. This is Mark.
1: And this is Sarah.
0: And this is retrograding. Yes, this is Retrograding, the show where three 90s kids give adult looks to our favorite childhood films. This month, we are taking a look back at The Hunchback of Notre Dame to see if our nostalgia is warranted. So, Sarah, since this was your pick, you are going to start us off with a 60-second synopsis, which you have told us will not be 60 seconds this time.
1: This is based off a, like, 800-page book. I don't know what to do.
0: It's based off of an hour-and-a-half movie as well.
1: I know, but I just, there's a lot of...
0: Okay, but the point of the
2: 60-second synopsis is the plot of the movie that we watch, not the book.
1: I know, but we also know I tend to, when I panic, suddenly the plot just becomes, hey, this guy does something and then the end of the movie.
2: Did you even write it? Usually you don't even write it down, so I'd be surprised <laughs> no, that never you haven't even tested it yet.
1: I have not. Maybe
2: it will end up being like 20 seconds. I tried to, and everything.
1: I got really <laughs> distracted talking about the whole personality of Frollo.
0: Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, So, I've got a timer here. Are you ready? No. Cool. And in three, two, one, go.
1: Judge Frollo is very anti-gypsies and chases them down and accidentally leads to the death of a gypsy woman and as punishment, the... Archdeacon of the church makes him adopt the baby 20 years later Quasimono the baby is living in the church And he's a hunchback and he wants to go hang out with the people during the Feast of Fools and he does and then he gets made fun of and Esmeralda the gypsy lady um, Starts a fight to help him not get bullied and because of this she almost gets Arrested and causes a whole thing and Frollo kind of falls in lust with her and but tries to get her arrested she Calls for sanctuary in the church and gets stuck there. Frollo's not happy about this. Starts a whole brigade against the gypsies. Gets Esmeralda actually arrested and a bunch of gypsies arrested tries to kill her. Quasimodo and Phoebus, who's this other guy, get mad. <laughs> uh, in the end, Esmeralda's fine. Frollo <laughs> dies. Esmeralda ends up with Phoebus. Quasimodo's unhappy and lonely. Uh, Bye.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> it went exactly like that. <laughs>
0: That's uh, that was pretty close to a minute. You did go over a couple of seconds because uh, I was a bit late on my buzzer just because <laughs> I thought my phone was going to make a sound and then it didn't. Oh, that was. But yeah, let's no let's sense. break that plot down um, and go into long form. Uh, Be- what did you guys see as a dog before that we you start may this have missed. I'd as like children? to
1: say I have read the book, I have seen this movie, and I've also seen. A stage show based on this movie, which has a significantly different plot.
0: Oh, I should hope so because this is one of the darkest films. that oh, Disney no, has ever done. When
1: I say significantly different, I mean darker.
0: Oh, yeah, cool. because they Disney it
2: because people should have been dead at the end of it.
1: Well,
0: well, they did. I mean, the Disney-fy stage, show, was, a lot the stage it, show is still but Disney, they also didn't glance over. Uh, the murder plots, uh, people almost burning at the stake, and uh, infanticide. Um, which, I will say, ooh, boy.
1: neither the origin story in this version or this version they use in the stage show, neither of those are correct to the book.
0: Okay, because you did mention in your synopsis that he accidentally kills the mother. Yeah, and that's that seems well, kind of very over of the intentional. Horse. Yeah. I mean, he was... He was going for it, and then he succeeded, and then he almost murdered the child. Uh, just, like, the voice of God came out is like, hey, maybe don't murder children. Or
1: maybe the voice of Cogsworth?
0: Maybe. Yeah. Um, and then here, I like in that scene where it's not the priest that stops him, because the priest does, like, say something to him, and then he looks up into the the church and it's all the eyes of the statues on him Uh, because there's like five or six shots of like all the stonework of the priest and the angels or whatnot and he feels like the eyes of god are upon him he's like okay maybe i won't commit murder i'm pretty sure that's one of those 10 commandments
1: i'm gonna i'm gonna fix something for you Probably not a priest, probably a saint.
0: Archdeacon, I think, is what he actually is.
1: Well, you said the stonework of the priest.
0: (laughs) Oh, fine. Saints, priests, what have you. If you're good enough at a priest, you get to become a saint. You got to perform a certain amount of miracles.
1: Yes, you don't have to be a priest to be a saint.
0: Sure, fine. This is where we learn that Carl does not know Catholicism. (laughs) Even though, out of
1: the three of them, Three of us. Yeah. You were the one who was raised Catholic, not
0: us. Correct. The thing about Catholicism, especially being raised within that church, is you don't have to read anything. Yeah, they will, the whole thing about the gospel is they'll read you what happens and then they'll tell you what it means.
1: Yeah. I,
0: this is the word of the Lord.
1: I was raised in a denomination that doesn't have saints like that. And Did yet, you just
0: call it a denomination?
1: Denomination. <laughs> okay. Also, I want to point out the thing I didn't know, but now knowing as an adult that the, the um, I don't know, is he supposed to be an archdeacon?
0: I think that's I, what the... Yeah, uh, I think that's uh, what the credits called him, him as.
1: Um, if you know that it's David Ogden Steers, it's very obvious that it's him.
0: Okay, because I I was having trouble with the voice because his voice is so close to Kevin Kline that I assumed oh. it was Kevin Kline doing more than one role in this See,
1: series. I didn't think it was sounded like Kevin Kline at all. I think it sounds like David Ogden Steers. See, now that I know, I'm like, oh, yeah, that is Cogsworth. That's totally Cogsworth.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: Also, I want to say The Bells of Notre Dame is an amazing song. And, um, ooh, I didn't write down who plays Clopin, but the high note he hits at the end of the song, I think it's a high D, is the stupidest note (laughs) in any Disney song because it is, like, the thought of having, like, if I was a guy and had to hit that note, I think I think the majority of people attempting to hit note that note their like lungs would just pop and explode. Like it is so incredibly high. And I know in the Broadway soundtrack, I don't think their Clopin hits that. I think they switch it and give it to a soprano to hit the high D because it is so crazy high and hits it like two times in this. I think Hunchback has some of the most underrated Disney music okay. and some of the um, most underrated so Alan Menken.
2: I don't know if it's underrated, though, because I hear about this music all the time.
0: Well, right. You hear about it from pedants who think their opinion on it is that it's good, and most people don't know it's good, and so they want to tell you about it. Uh, but I'm glad you brought up the music, because I remember seeing this film as a child, and I didn't remember any of this yep. music. <laughs>
1: Not even. Oh, no, no, no. So
0: I was going to say, I
2: remembered the music, and it's my favorite part of the whole movie because the rest of it, I didn't re- like. There's the. I knew that there were the gargoyles, and I know the story, but like They're the grotesque. actual stuff that happens yes, in they the are movie, grotesque. I didn't really remember anything.
1: I'm going to be pedantic about that because it's my there one are fact. There are
0: gargoyles. towards the end of the film.
1: There are gargoyles at the end of the film, but technically sure they are. I'm protect-
0: dies because of a gargoyle.
1: Yes, he does. Anyway, yes. Anyway, um, so there I is one song I do hate in Hellfire.
0: The show? Is the <sighs> one I remembered, yep. and it's it's because people have brought it up in my adulthood. I have
1: a note that just says Hellfire is insane.
0: Oh, for sure. I have always told 100%. people that one is my
2: favorite song from this movie. It's, although it's great, there are
1: many but good it is songs. Th- Hellfire is great, but the fact that it is in a children's movie, a movie yeah. that is rated. Is this PG?
0: Oh, this is G. This is a solid G film.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> um, yes. And then, yeah, this was one of the higher rated ones, like the Black Cauldron. And there was, what was the other Black Cauldron? Oh, Nightmare Before Christmas. That was the other Disney movie that was that was higher rated. Um, but it's so crazy. And it's really like it also has it has a Latin joke that you don't get unless you know Latin or you look up the facts, which is at one point the the priests that are chanting in the background are oh, yeah. are just saying. Saying, your fault. It's it's your fault or something in the back. When is he's that, like, it's is that the
0: Latin chants or chants happening out of there?
1: So during the whole song, a lot of the uh, during the whole movie, most of the Latin chants are actual Latin chants. But during Hellfire. I think it, oh, it's not Mia Culpa, but it's something Culpa.
0: Okay. Um,
1: and so basically they're just saying, it's your fault.
0: Ah, yeah, because I, uh, there's, while we're on the subject of the music, one of my favorite songs was Esmeralda in the church, who is um, singing for um, God to look down on her people and to protect the gypsies. God help the outcasts? Whereas- Yes, whereas everyone else in the church is singing for themselves, wishing for fame or money or power. And I just, I really love th- the message of that song, and, and I you, didn't remember it at all. You
1: didn't remember? Maybe it's because I, I'm a female, and <laughs> literally, like, I, I say this not as, oh, because I'm a girl. I say this because literally, like, as a female vocalist, sure, if you get like, female solo books or female Disney solo books, that song is everywhere. Ah, like, okay. Like, that's a super, super popular audition song for females, and so maybe it's just because, it for me, be. that was, like, every time <laughs> you went into the choir room, that was in every female vocalist-like book to open up. And I know um, I have heard
2: a- it many times, not, not because I sang auditions with it, but... <laughs> I just have heard it a few times and actually I remember that I had to go look up because I had no idea what movie it was from when I used to hear it. I would hear it on like Disney things, but I was like, I don't remember this song from anywhere. What movie is this? And so I always had to go look it up to remember where it was from.
1: Um, Also, I, growing up in Southern California, obviously went to Disneyland a lot and During the point when this movie came out for for quite a while afterwards, they had a Festival of Fools Uh, stage show where they did a little like uh, Festival of Fools thing. They had a bunch of confetti. It was a little like 15 minute show they did on one of their stages that ran for several years and I went to it quite a few times. It's right by one of the train tracks. Um, and so some of the songs, like they do festi- Topsy Turvy and um, maybe a couple others. And I watched that quite a bit growing up. So that might be another reason I'm more familiar with some of the music. Because I watched probably that stage show too many times. Sure. Or, I'd be, a or I'd be on the train passing by as the show is happening and hear it as we passed by on the train. So even though I didn't necessarily, it's not like I watched this movie like, Once a year or so, I was, there was a lot of music that I still know just because of weird things like that. I also, within the last year, have seen the stage show. Uh, I saw the stage show. Um, A couple friends were in the stage show and I saw that. And I've also watched the recorded version of the Paper Mill Playhouse, the professional version of it when they originally did it um, in New Jersey. Also, we'll talk about it probably at the end, some of the difference with that, and how they both fixed the problems with this movie and also made it weirder.
0: All right, let's get back to this movie, though. While we're on the subject of music, we can go through them chronologically if you guys want. Are there any other big things you wanted to talk about? The one I wanted to do was... um,
1: Can you... Well, can you guess which song I don't like?
0: <laughs> oh, there might be a lot. I will no, guess as soon as I get like... past my point. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so. It's it's not a character singing, but one of the nice touches I like in this film is the Gregorian chant that the people of the church are doing for their service. It reminded me of a note I read of Joseph Campbell, who talks about mythologies of the world and how Catholicism, their services used to cast the people in the church out of their lives, get them out of their own heads, because people in the church who are there for the service generally didn 't study Latin. They have no idea what this song is about, but not understanding the words allows them to get out of their own heads and experience the power of the Lord by being cast out of their own lives and into this weird, extravagant world of the church with uh, giant stained glass windows and music that is beautiful but ununderstandable, uh, and it 's a stark contrast from later church services which are all about inclusion of the parish uh the people in church are asked to be a part of the service to understand everything that's going on and it's this old world uh services that i really enjoy i would love to go to a Notre Dame service, even though I don't practice anymore, just to experience this. And I'm glad the film brought that out. Uh, but Sarah, what song did you not enjoy?
1: I was going to say, um, there are, uh, Dies Irae is one of the chants. That's a real Gregorian chant that's used in it. Um, apparently there's some Mozart music that's oh. used in it as well, which is kind of a trivia thing. Cause Tom, i um, not even going to try to pronounce that last name, the guy who <laughs> does the voice of Carl Simoto, was also mo- Tom
0: mo- Mozart. Go off.
1: Was also Mozart in Amadeus. 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 Um, but the the line I was trying to think of earlier is "Tia culpa," which means
0: mm. "your fault." Your fault, right?
1: Um, your fault. Your most grievous fault is the line that the priests are singing in the background of Hellfire, and it's the answer to Frollo saying, "This is not my fault." And
3: so <laughs> basically,
1: <laughs> they're just saying, "Yes, it is." So, that's but it's only a joke great. you get if you either look up that trivia or know Latin. So that's a shout out to you, my sister, who did, does, well, she at one point right, knew right. Latin.
0: She's a lawyer. Lawyers have to learn Latin because a lot of the terms. No,
1: they don't because all the terms are incorrect Latin. She just took Latin as her language in college.
0: Well, shows what I know. <laughs> All right. Uh, you mentioned a song that you did okay. not care for. So is it I, the song? It's the uh, one that Jason guess.
2: Alexander yeah. sings. Ooh.
0: Is Dang. it the one that Frollo sings to Quasimodo about how he's a monster? Oh, no. Uh, and reminding him of such. Oh, is it the one that the gargoyles sing to Quasimodo to tell him that Esmeralda is definitely 100% into him, <gasps> which he that turns one. out she's I not? I will
1: I will say, the one you said first, the intro to Out yeah. There, no, that one's fine, mm-hmm. and they keep that in the stage show, and I think that intro to Out There is fine, because it sets up character stuff. Right. You are correct in saying it's, oh, what is it even called? I wrote it down. A guy like you.
2: Yeah.
3: And
1: I wouldn't say it's necessarily a bad song. It just no. feels like it's in the wrong Alan Mankin movie.
2: It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't fit the mood of other it things feels happening, like, and... It
1: feels like it's a leftover song from, like, Little Mermaid, and he's ah. like, well, we haven't given Jason... G- Jason Alexander's been in musicals before. We haven't given him anything to sing. Give him a song. We've got this leftover from, like, it was supposed to be Lumiere's song in Beauty and the Beast. Uh, have this.
0: Mm-hmm. I am glad you brought this up, because... Uh, It goes into one of the notes that I have is that the gargoyles as a whole feel like they are part of a separate movie. They
1: they are. So the thing I I didn't understand about the
2: gargoyles, right, is right away you see Quasimodo talking to them and they are responding as soon as Frollo shows up they turn back into Stone and he comments does Stone talk to you can they be your friends and Quasimodo says no but then later on in the movie they are interacting with other characters as if they are actually alive
0: doing things only a goat I'm pretty sure no no. No, I don't think they they
3: fly around and
2: shoots rocks at the people and they launch a catapult off the top of the cathedral they're helping in the
1: final battle
0: they are helping the final battle but i don't put it past quasimodo to be it's basically these being a part of quasimodo's mind and him just doing all of that and attributing it to these gargoyles
1: and somehow she has control of the pigeons and the pigeons actually do stuff
0: fair um <laughs> but we only see the reaction we never see them interact with other people we see other people interact with something that they've Done. So, like, it's always cause and effect, right? So, like, the gargoyles cause something to happen, that thing that happened, then interacts with other people. It's I, not one-to-one. The,
1: the gargoyles are my least
0: yes, favorite right. part That's of it. The reason exactly they feel like said. they're out of place uh, is I think they're, they're meant to be comic relief yeah. for, for children. Every time we cut back to them, they're doing something... Outside of the plot, they're a little bit of a joke. And then we go back to the main plot.
1: I think it was like Disney had this formula and they said, we have these sidekicks in every movie. Beauty Mm -hmm. and the Beast had the furniture. We have Little Mermaid has Sebastian and Flounder. We have, even in like Cinderella, we have the mice. We have these standards where we have to have in Pocahontas, we have uh, have all the pets we have the standard well we have to and they're like well they don't fit well it doesn't matter this is the disney formula we have to have something and this is when i talk about things that get fixed in the stage show the gargoyles still exist
0: they're grotesque
1: grotesque <laughs> <laughs> dang it i'm hey, doing you it you just <laughs> called them
0: gargoyles too carl so you're I know. not allowed to correct i'm you. aware anyway, we're going to say it wrong everybody knows they're grotesque
1: they're <laughs> grotesque they don't have water they're spell. not
0: water features go on
1: anyway so this is one of the things that gets fixed in the stage show they they still exist as characters. There's not three of them, there's more. And that line where he talks, that whole interaction where it's, who are you talking to? My friends? What are your friends made of? That that whole interaction, word for word, exists in the stage show. But instead of being these uh, these humor characters that are just cracking jokes, they are instead more Quasimodo's inner thoughts, conscience characters and the things that kind of push him to want to do. So, so they're all very more serious and they're more characters saying, Why don't you go outside? Why don't you do this? Have you more of his kind of mm-hmm. other side of his personality. And that makes and in more the end, sense
0: that way. Right, but that is in this film as right. well. Right, until like the, the end the, when they start helping out the in the a The times battle. when he interacts with these characters who everybody else sees as inanimate, it's at the very beginning, they are convincing him to go to the Festival of Fools, which is something that is one of his innate, deep desires. Uh, later on, they're convincing him that Esmeralda must definitely be in love with him because he's one of a kind. That does not happen. And that whole
1: song is cut.
0: Right. But, like, that is also something innate in him. Everything that they're telling him is something that he already knows and believes.
1: And, and But it's taken very a lot more seriously. They're a little more kind of, at times, narration. Mm-hmm. And there's a very, very cool thing that they do at the end because it, it's never, the fact that they're still talking and still goofing, at the very, very end, it's revealed, no, they've always been statues. And not only have they always been statues, they're actually very old, beaten up, torn up, broken statues. And so mm-hmm. just like Quasimodo, they are also kind of, Broken and not perfect. And it's an
2: really interesting along, moment. Along the lines of our podcast, seeing things that you didn't notice as a kid, that was one of them. Is that as a kid, they were just the funny characters off on the side oh, right. that were his friends. And as now, a kid, I
0: thought they, they were. Now I can totally like see, one of the oh, main it's people.
2: just him. It's If it's his imaginary friends, it's just it, this is what he is thinking, and he's using them to tell the thoughts.
1: But with the fact that in no other part of the movie is there really i mean a little bit with clopin but there's not a whole lot of humor anywhere else in the movie they just don't work
2: they don't, but I think again for kids you need that comedic stuff to right. keep it you from being too Right, you need the comedic relief.
0: You need something for the kids to attach to, because I don't think kids would necessarily attach to Quasimodo as a character. Nope. Um I never. Did. I don't think that they <laughs> don't would don't... attach to Phoebus or Esmeralda. I don't think that's. They're necessarily definitely true. not going to attach to Frollo. I think kids in this watching this film attach to the gargoyles oh. and they attach to the goat
1: think that's necessarily true when i was a kid and i watched this for the first time and i watched this when it first came out i was when did this come out
2: 96
1: 96 so i was seven seven or eight when this came oh, out geez. and i watched it in <laughs> either on. in theaters or right when it came out in vhs so i saw it at that age i hated the gargoyles then okay i i thought Esmeralda i, I was remember the thing liking I them to, oh I hated and i them don't
0: then. Quasimodo is a hard sell for children. Oh no,
1: for me he was... I never
2: connected with any of the... I think, like you said, the gargoyles are probably the closest thing, but I never really cared about anyone in this film when I watched it as a kid.
1: I was the exact opposite. I hated the gargoyles, even then. I thought they were stupid. And for me, Quasimodo was... And maybe it was just because he sang pretty or what, but... I thought he was pure and innocent and lovely. And I think there are kids. And I think to say that all kids, oh, they just want sure. the funny characters. There's a Fine. lot of kids that hate those. Well,
2: and that's true. Stupid. But that, that could still be why they are there.
0: Well, I I'm think it is. I think more it's more as me as a child, I guess, as opposed to all children. I've been out of touch with children for a while. So maybe I am wrong in that regard. And
1: I, but I do think that's the reason why they did it. Because, again, we're getting late nineties into the early two thousands when Disney got into a lot of trouble by getting, Oh, we have this formula and we're getting into the sequel apocalypse.
0: Yeah. So I will say the reason I don't like the gargoyles or grotesques song for Quasimodo is that in a Disney film, when characters sing about, yes, this other character must be in love with you. It is true. Like And this song posits in Quasimodo's mind that Esmeralda must be in love with him, and that's not the case. Esmeralda never sees him more than just a good friend, and... It's a confusing message in a Disney film that it Disney is normally about, like, pure love, love at first sight.
1: They set him up for failure so hard in this right. movie.
0: And it's, it's a weird message for the Disney trope, where if a movie tells you that two characters are in love, they are in the purest love. And that's not the case here.
2: Right. And I think that is one of the central reasons that I did not like this movie ever, is <laughs> because I'm used to that formula of of here's the man, here's the girl, they're gonna fall in love, and you have this story that that progresses, and then when it didn't turn out that way, it was too confusing for me.
1: I think if you get rid of that song, yes, you still have the love triangle, and yes, you feel bad for Quasimodo and stuff like that, but if you still end with him getting to be the hero of the town and getting accepted and that's one of the things he wanted. And yes, he doesn't get the girl, but he gets the town. If you cut that song off, yes, you have the, the love triangle and it's hard and he doesn't get the girl, which is the normal Disney thing, but he gets the town. Suddenly, it's not so soul-crushing at that moment when he
0: cuts yeah.
1: up, tears up oh, the
0: card. God, the uh, the other horrible thing about that song uh, is what happens immediately after it. Because after they these... I'm just going to call them gargoyles. These gargoyles convince Quasimodo that Esmeralda is in love with him and that she will return. She does return. And he's very excited, but she returns to ask him to save and to hide the man that she does love. And then, like, he has to find a place to hide this guy who is the love of the person he loves, and then they kiss right in front of him, which is just, it's got to wrench his heart, and he just has to be nice and kind because he wants to put on a good face for her in that moment. Which
1: if that song is gone, yes, it's still sad and heartbreaking, but at least we didn't have a whole song and dance number right before. Right. Then we just have these these kind of hinted at emotions and, and things that are like under the surface instead of, of Jason Alexander being like, "Hey, hey, come on, go for it," because Jason Alexander is not a subtle man. But uh,
0: cut though that I song, do, cut it. <laughs> I do like the multiple, I guess, avenues of characters in this film and how they deal with Esmeralda because there's, there's three men in this film that are in love with Esmeralda. Would you... They're, sorry. Hold on. There's, there's Frollo, there's Quasimodo, and there's Phoebus. Now, Phoebus is the one who ends up with her. He's the traditional knight in shining armor. Uh, though I do like the, the People alternate... People
1: have written papers on this. It's crazy.
0: Yeah. I do like the way that the other two characters end uh, the sentence of uh, if I can't have her then blank. Because the way that Frollo answers this question is well if I can't have her then nobody will. And she will burn in hell for eternity. And the way that Quasimodo answers it is if I can't have her then I hope she's happy. (laughs) And it's just... Two completely different ends of the spectrum with Phoebus in the middle as actually ending up with this woman.
1: So, oh, now I have to find this.
0: Now,
2: stepping backwards. You mentioned that she brings in the guy she is in love with, but I don't because they didn't even really have a thing until he starts. Oh, he, he's laying there they all injured, and he, had a thing. he says some some. I don't remember what the line was. Something about going on, and she just looks at him like ooh. But they were
0: flirting candle, in the church before. Candlestick sword fights are very. She sexy. turns against him as she thinks. That he brought Frollo to the yeah. church to capture her. But then, then he was saved the baby.
1: And that But that, that changed doesn't
0: make you in love flirting. <laughs> no. But it does like, in a Disney it's movie. It's Disney love where if you wink and you flirt with a nod, you're fully in love it, with somebody.
1: They're very short movies. They don't have time to flesh this
0: out.
1: <sighs> Instead, we have to do another song. And they- cut out there's not time for love songs they put those in the stage show
0: and they do do like little breadcrumbs of that where he picks up money off the street and gives it to a beggar who turns out to be esmeralda in disguise it's the just like a baby. where she sees him as more than just this mindless guard who hates gypsies they have
1: a, i was gonna make a joke and i'm not
0: gonna. Cool. cool anyway cool, cool.
1: the theory Going back to Carl's point about the the men seeing them in different ways. Right. According to a thing I read is they kind of fit. It's called the Madonna horror complex. Okay, sure. And so um, Quasimono kind of sees her as the Madonna, that she's perfect and virtuous and kind of glorifies her, where... Obviously Ferlo sees her as the whore and is very lustful and, and kind of sees her as, as for her body and for her sexuality and stuff like that. Whereas um Phoebus sees her in the middle, as seeing her as this person who is sassy and is and will fight him and stuff like that and sees her as a person, and that's why in the end Phoebus uh, ends up with her, because he sees her as a person as opposed to this this glorification in either direction.
0: Yeah, I can definitely see that. I mean it makes a lot of sense. Uh, it just... The relationships that I've had, I've definitely had thoughts in every aspect of that. To a certain degree, we're just like I get angry during rejection, um, and so I definitely want to feel what how Frollo feels with just his frustration and wanting to take it out on the person who caused the rejection or the frustration. Uh, and where I normally end up is probably the resolve that Quasimodo has, or just like. Fine, whatever, I hope you're happy. And very rarely am I the Phoebus. Hmm. Um, I
1: <laughs> anyway. will say they, it's very interesting how this movie does stuff is they make Frollo almost more of a villain than he is in the books. And they make Phoebus nicer than he is in the books. Cause Phoebus is such a jerk in the book.
0: There was, I mean, they made Frollo a huge jerk. I'm glad they balanced it out with Phoebus.
1: Um, well, cause Phoebus is just kind of like, he does have the relationship with Esmeralda, but he's kind of just leading her on and has a fiance. And when she's like coming to him for help, when she's getting arrested, he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm not gonna deal with this
0: spy. Though the thing I really like about Frollo, um, which isn't his attitude or the things he does in this film, but he is the type of villain that I love, where it's just like he has ideals, he will stick to those ideals no matter what. He is unchanging. There is no gray zone, there is black and there is white and this is my life and I'm sticking to that philosophy. And if anybody doesn't fall into it, they can die.
1: They They add some context and background to Frollo in the musical. Um, Quasimodo's background is completely different. He isn't um, his mother doesn't get killed on the church steps. What it is, is it, go- it takes Furlough back to, partly to his book thing, because for some reason in this one, he's a judge. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas in the book and in the musical, he's he is the Archdeacon. Okay. And it's very strange. See, cause now they now that him-
2: makes almost more sense, what, all his conflict about being lustful after her.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. Because, like, it did seem that he could just have a wife, and like, he could just have a family.
1: Yes, because they make him a judge because on the things I read, they wanted him to be more powerful and have more control of the city. And they also didn't want religious groups to get mad at him. Yeah, yeah. That, but, that's definitely but the But they don't literally change anything else about the character because he's still always at the church teaching Quasimodo everything about like, very pious, very strict Catholic things, and like all of this stuff that nothing about his character is different except that he's a judge instead of, um,
2: although the church the would have been really powerful anyway. So, at that point, they probably would have been in control of the government, and the courts, and stuff. I think
1: something, yeah. Paris? I like
0: that he's not officially a part of the church because that brings in the whole uh sanctuary, yeah. Thing. Where, like, you can step inside the church, claim sanctuary, and the judge, that guards, can't do anything to you. You've reached a place of salvation, and you are safe as long as you're within the grounds of the church. I
1: mean, it still works in the other things, because if you're claiming sanctuary against the archdeacon, they can't be like... Oh, we can we're going against sanctuary because you're basically using their rules against them.
0: Right. But at least like it's a place where she can be that he can't go, whereas if he's an archdeacon, he's in the church all the time anyways.
1: Yeah. Um, they make him back into the archdeacon in the musical and they bring his younger brother back. He has a oh. younger brother in the book who is he has had to take care of his whole life because he's an alcoholic. He, he's a kind of a playboy and stuff like that. Um, they are orphans who are raised by the church and that's why Frollo eventually becomes part of the church is because they were orphans raised by the church. Um, his brother gets kicked out of the church. The, the orphanage by the church and the school eventually goes off with a gypsy girl. They have a son. They are killed by the plague. The son is obviously Quasimodo and Frollo has to adopt him but because he is half gypsy and is also this product of his brother's um, wandering ways that have tormented so much through his life. He just doesn't want to deal with him. But it gives more reason to why Frollo is, one, so feverant, because the church um, rescued him from his life as an orphan, but also all of these other things, the gypsy and these bad habits, are what led to his brother's downfall.
0: Mm, That makes makes a lot of sense. Because, I mean, um, I guess for a Disney film that is only an hour and a half, you can just have a character who States their ideals. Those ideals are pure and you don't have to justify it. The
1: the where Quasimodo come from, that is not his backstory in the book. In the book, he's just he was a malformed baby. The gypsies abandon him. And when they abandon him, so here's talking about the book is weirder than either version of these these like the Disney versions. Esmeralda is not a gypsy. Hmm. Esmeralda was the daughter of a French woman who had an affair with a nobleman and had this baby. When she was very young, Quasimodo's parents, who were abandoning their deformed gypsy son, Uh kidnapped Esmeralda, who was originally named Agnes, took her with them, left Quasimodo. And so Esmeralda's originally just this French baby who got kidnapped. Quasimodo was a gypsy kid who just got left... On the steps. <laughs> Esmeralda later, when she's um, getting arrested one of the times, uh, gets handed over to be watched by this woman while she's waiting to be led to hanging. Turns out this woman is her long lost real mother. They uh, reunite. Esmeralda's getting led up to hang, her real mother is trying to ask for, for mercy for her daughter gets thrown to the ground hits her head and dies so both her real mother who she just found dies Esmeralda dies everyone dies
0: cool 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 um, definitely a I Disney am, ending yeah yeah I am gonna have to do what we do so often in this podcast and say Sarah we need to stick to this movie <laughs> um, and not the the material that it is based upon I
1: just want you- this could have been so much weirder. Also, Esmeralda gets into a weird gypsy marriage with a character oh, that doesn't even film, exist no. in this. I like. I like
0: it. Oh, they were yeah. till
2: after the fifteen-minute rant to then say to go back to the. No, movie. no, guys.
0: There is no. We have to talk about this film because the book, our podcast is about the Disney guys, film. <laughs> in
1: the book, Jolly can do math and impressions.
0: Who is Jolly? The goat.
1: The goat. Cool. <laughs> he can do math. Actually, it's a girl in the book, I think. But he can do
0: math in the book. Well, that might be based on actual historical fact, because uh, there but was a horse that they... could, the, there was a horse that could do math with addition but and simple. Wait, why didn't they this movie, Carl? No, no, that's Achilles. Achilles
1: heel. That's, yes. that's a joke. I do like. That's the one line um, of this
0: whole movie way, that
2: was actually let's, funny. <laughs>
1: um, let's no go back. Why didn't they give? that plotline to Jolly instead of having him have a weird
0: love story with a gargoyle. (laughs) Hey, he's not involved in that. That is a one-sided love story. Why is is. Jason
1: Alexander in love with a goat?
0: Anywho. Uh, You know what, though? If if the gargoyles are
2: supposedly parts of Quasimodo's mind, does that mean that he's
0: actually in love with the goat? (laughs) I don't think so. I think he may have... I think they are part of his mind, and he thought... This Jason Alexander gargoyle looks kind of like a goat. <laughs> I could ship the two of these people. Maybe it's because he Cosimodo had a bird's nest people? in his mouth at the beginning. Yeah, and he's, I think he's the only gargoyle with horns. Do you think he anyway. does, like,
1: with his townspeople and his little dollhouse thing, does he, like, <laughs> like, do stories with them and be like, I want these two to get the baker, I think
0: he does, and, and that the- brings me to we gotta talk about Quasimodo on this film, we've talked around him, let's talk about the character design. So, I found this character to be what they intended him to be, which was a bit off-putting, uh, because the way that they draw him in this film, he is very uncanny valley where his eyes are a bit offset it the hunchback itself doesn't he, bother me it's the guy's face he
1: looked like he got stung by a bee although
0: i yeah i said he looked kind of like a sloth yeah this I, um, I
1: have, why is he a redhead
0: i don't know why is he an acrobat <laughs> <laughs> well, that made sense to me because he has to ring the bells. He doesn't he have to swing, swing from- across the ropes to ring them. He does it. He does it anyway. <laughs> but it does
1: explain um, why he can lift Esmeralda above his head because he is right. very small.
0: i I like that they made him up kind of wall. stout and powerful because if he's ringing the bells every day from day to day, you're going to get that upper body strength. Uh, and I like that they they made that make sense for the character. Now, his strength does vary throughout the film, where at one point he can hold Phoebus at arm's length, uh, like a couple of feet off the ground when Phoebus is in full body armor, um, this golden medal, and carrying a sword. He holds Phoebus there no problem. Later in the film, when Phoebus... He's hiding Phoebus from Frollo. He has he has to really struggle to move the body underneath a table. It's just like I don't understand why he's strong sometimes and why he's kind of weaker other times. Maybe because it works a table, for like- the plot. Sure, <laughs> though I do like the character design of Quasimodo in like the things that they decorated his house with, his his apartment in Notre Dame with. Uh, where Super- I really like the the model of. Things the the town that he has set up where he has this little diorama of the church of Notre Dame and the courtyard and the little figurines, because to me, this, this clearly illustrated, like, this is his entire world. Like, the diorama that he has is all he has ever seen in the world. It is the church and what you can see from your vantage point of the church. He knows nothing outside of Paris. He knows nothing of the rest of the world. What he has on that table is all he has ever seen. And I
2: think that comes um, when Esmeralda gives him the necklace and says... Mm -hmm something about use this to find us or whatever the line yeah was. when you hold you this hold the city in necklace, your hand blah 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 so he, he's used to seeing it from that viewpoint because he's always yeah, up yeah. in the bell tower so it makes sense that he would see that that's a map of the city right away when he looks at it mm-hmm. where some other people may not notice that
0: right though to me it was immediately obvious yeah 100 <laughs> <100%. laughs> percent um Though, oh, because you're very the yes the problematic <laughs> thing, and I've seen this movie before. Uh, the problematic thing I had with Claudio is that he has lived his entire life in isolation. He only talks to a man who clearly hates him for what he is, and. These gargoyles that may just be a part of his psyche. Um, and so he's only ever viewed other people from afar. He doesn't know how to talk to people. He doesn't know how to interact with people. Like the, his relationship with Esmeralda is a lot of him sneaking around and him spying on her from beyond the corner. Uh, and he's his deepest wish is to know the people of the courtyard like he knows them. But that implies that he thinks he knows them. Uh, and he thinks he knows them just by spying on them from the tower for years. Uh, and that's the that's going to be a hard sell to make friends with people that you already think you know.
2: But did he, uh, was he ever going to try to make friends with them?
0: He will at the end of the film.
1: He'll have help.
0: It's true. I don't know that he ever... Esmeralda is does ever- he a lot is for
1: a him. Poor- but he knew that he was supposed to be trapped be in nice the tower, to
2: so he, in his mind, he was never going to try to make friends it's with
0: them.
1: Fine, he's not. Well, that's going to why make he goes to the festival Musical. of
0: fools. Uh, though also, uh, he's—it's he, been told that he never leaves his tower. Right? Though everyone in the church seems to know that he is the bell ringer. Everyone in the Festival of Fools, once they see him, realize, hey, you're the hunchback of Notre Dame. I've heard of you. So, like, if he's never left the tower, how do people know the rumors of him? I
1: think they can see. Can they? Probably like a shadow. I or mean, something. I'm
0: sure they've
2: heard the bells ring. They probably say, hey, who's doing that? And somebody talks to them about it.
0: Is it not just the priests? Would the priest of the church not just ring the bells?
1: There's more than one priest, or like the archdeacon is in the thing, but they're, Notre Dame is a huge church. There's yeah. probably brothers and like people in training that probably don't have. As tight lips on secrets. So oh, say I see. say like you have a novice who isn't quite initiated into being a priest yet and is still learning how to be pious. Um, and sees like the shadow of the hunchback from at the top of the stairs or something and goes, Oh, I saw something weird and it spreads around town.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: Like we only see the archdeacon, but Notre Dame is right. Huge. There's yes. more than one.
0: That that one does make sense. Because it did seem a little weird that this man who's been in hiding his whole life is very well known by the townspeople.
1: But I would say it'd be something like that. Obviously I wouldn't say the archdeacon would be the one. But the archdeacon is not taking care of that huge church all by himself. Right.
0: Fair enough. All right. Um let's see. We, um, so oh, are there any notes of Quasimodo?
1: So you guys know the interesting change they made and it was something apparently looking into facts that they tried to do in the movie and they couldn't get it to work right. Um, for the sound, but they, 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 Put it in when they did the stage musical, what they did for Quasimodo, and I think it's really cool.
0: No, we're just waiting for you to get done with the Oh, no, the he fact froze on that. It's not my... about this film. <laughs> no,
1: but it's, it's <laughs> something that they was tried to do. Too. It's one of those things that got cut for the film and then they added it back into the musical um, that was for Quasimodo's character.
0: Go, tell us.
1: He's In the musical, they made him death.
0: Oh, and it was something, that makes sense.
1: It's something they tried to do and they just couldn't get the voice right. Like they tried to do, uh, have the actor try to do it and they just couldn't get it to work and so they scrapped the idea. But they do it in the stage show because, obviously, working with bells, mm-hmm. he wouldn't be able to hear so does quite does he?
0: does he just read lips then? How would he interact with any other characters? This How does he they sing? They make him assume that he's not. <laughs> is the better he, question.
1: When he sings, he doesn't do it with a deaf accent. Mm. When he talks, he does. But how does, does he
2: know that he's singing
0: the right notes if he can't hear them?
1: It's a musical, and therefore he's huh. not literally singing.
0: Right, right. Everything's a metaphor. Yeah. <sighs>
1: Um, But they kind of assume it like the way it's like they never fully explain it. They just have the character talk in that way that he's either not completely deaf or has gotten very, very good at reading lips because he he doesn't understand everything that the other characters are saying to him. Um, But it's it's an interesting I think it's mentioned maybe once, but it's something when I was reading on IMDb that they said they tried to use and it just either didn't work with the animation or they couldn't get it to sound right.
0: I I think that would be an interesting character trait, especially like if he could read lips from a distance, like if part of him getting to know the townsfolk was being able to listen into their conversations that they're having not by hearing them from that distance but just reading the lips from that distance
1: but you talk about a guy who's been stuck in a bell tower with these huge bells obviously his hearing would not be so good
0: yeah while we mentioned the uh, the guy in the bell tower this is very <laughs> apropos for this time period because we are recording this during the <laughs> the coronavirus quarantine, and I definitely feel a little bit like Quasimodo right now, stuck in a bell tower, not because being able to hunch? interact with anybody. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, wasn't your, well, was your hunch on the other side?
1: I said, "Well, wasn't your hunch on the other side?"
0: Good. It's just a golf bag. So, so the other characters I want to talk about the are. Go- uh, Esmeralda the goat. Uh, who is, I, I am, I had trouble figuring out her character. Cause she does play that, that role of the, the Madonna whore. Um, she.
1: think I've learned something about myself.
0: Is a, okay. We'll get to that. <laughs> she, she is a performer. She is a sassy woman, uh, a street wise woman who knows her way around and knows her life and doesn't want to give up her ideals for any one man. Um, though, Beyond that, I don't know a lot about her. Like, she wasn't given a lot of character, I guess, in this film. Like, she's kind to Quasimodo, but it's never clear exactly why she is more kind than everybody else in the film. Like, uh, not that that necessarily needs justification, but it does seem like the odd one out in this city who is scared of monsters, this most gorgeous woman in all of Paris. Is kind to him.
2: And it reinforces for a kid's mind the, oh, she must love him in this story because she's the only one that's so nice to him. Right.
1: It's one of those things they said that she had quite, her songs got switched quite a few songs times and she got quite a few cut. And it's one of those things I'm like, if she had gotten more than one song. Cause for being a musical, the songs are actually quite spread out and like there's Phoebus doesn't get any song. Um, Esmeralda only gets one. Um
0: And it's not about her, it's about her wishing for her people.
1: Yeah. And so I was if she got an introduction song better, or Clopin gets more songs than than she does. To be fair, I love Clopin. I think he's great. Um, but if if one of those songs that got cut had a better introduction or a better explanation obviously when you go from this to the stage musical they they all get way more songs and maybe it's cl- uh phoebus doesn't get any because kevin um klein klein i was like what was i gonna say kevin McAllister. kevin McAllister <laughs> didn't want to sing or they didn't <laughs> want him to sing <laughs> and maybe because um with Esmeralda they were having to bring in the person they brought in to be the singing voice was just like a club singer. She wasn't that this is what not what she did And so they just wanted to bring her in for the one song. Um and then she did nothing else professional after that, and so it was like a weird thing. But I'm like, maybe if she got another song better. Maybe. It's it's just I, I like she... I wonder what those cut songs were.
0: So for being as much as an independent woman as like her character would suggest a lot of her interactions in the film are men who want to be with her and so she is just kind of this uh I want to say sex symbol but probably the madonna whore allegory is more apt be given the way that certain men see her in this and i it's Hard for me to place her, uh, figure out like what she is. She's not given a lot of depth.
1: In the book, I think she's supposed to be much younger. Okay, because it's Victor Hugo and the time.
0: So she's like fourteen,
1: maybe. I mean, well, it's Disney cartoon, so everyone looks older because Quasimodo is only supposed to be twenty.
2: Right, but it's hard to tell with the way his face is anyway.
1: I know, but Esmeralda probably is supposed to only be like probably seventeen, even though she looks like Mm -hmm. thirty-five.
0: Yeah, she looks older than I do. The other thing that is weird for a Disney film is I definitely get the sense from her animation uh, that she is sexy and she knows it and she uses that to her advantage to get uh, some money uh, from her dancing, which is weird for a Disney film because Disney women are normally beautiful but also a little bit naive or a little cute. Even if they're sassy, there's something about them that is regal or noble in some way. Whereas like Esmeralda is certainly playing up um, being an exotic dancer because that will get her money.
1: I wonder if this, because there's some people who put like Disney movies into like, these were the big ones. And then there was like this level of like second level Disney animation movies during the Mm -hmm the golden age and they got a little bit more leeway with what they could get away with Mm -hmm. you talk about like we've talked about Tarzan and Hercules and this one and you get even farther down that road you get into like Treasure Planet and things like that where they weren't the golden child movies so they got to experiment a little bit more um,
2: but I get the, I mean, in you don't if you're making a movie, you don't know that if it's going to be a hit or not while you're making it. So I don't know how they would have known done. that. Have you? OK, well, let me say this. Do you know who Jessica Rabbit is? Well, Sure. <laughs> Though so, I guess she's not a typical a Disney princess,
0: but right, she's she's certainly not of the same era either. She wasn't the the Renaissance of Disney in the nineties where this was presented. Eighty eight. Okay. <laughs> well, fair enough. I I wanted to get your take on it because you are our resident Disney <laughs> expert. I am basing it off of my knowledge of disney and i like being proved wrong there you go uh but like i got the sense that most of the people working on this film most animators in general are men and men drawing a sexy woman dancing in this way i couldn't get the past the fact that it's some man dressing showing what he thinks is sexy on a screen Uh, To show what women should be. I don't know. It just seemed I couldn't get past the fact that there's this beautiful woman who is showing off her sexuality to a screen dancing for money and behind it all is some guy who is drawing what he believes to be sexy. If that makes sense. There was a weird thing watching her dance in this film.
2: Yeah. Although, I mean, to some extent, they have a director and other people that have to decide what it's actually going to look like in the end. So, sure. I'm sure that it wasn't just one person doing this. Absolutely. But...
0: Um. It's a, yeah, it's much better if it's a group of men I dressing mean, now a sexy Now, you could go woman.
2: all the way back to, you know, the 30s and 40s uh, and, sure. <laughs> and not in the actual films, but there are stories you can find about the animators having their after hours get togethers or whatever where they would they liked the alcohol apparently (laughs) and they could draw their characters in ways that they would not draw them on screen for the public so it wouldn't be the first time that that has been done by Disney it's just usually not something that,
0: that everybody sees right so Sarah we cut you off there
1: um, I think when I was talking about, like, the, the first tier, second tier, it had to do with what group of animators was working where. Because, right. like, at the same time Hunchback was being worked on, Lion King and Pocahontas was going on. Oh, really? Okay. And so, obviously, Lion King and Pocahontas would be taking up. So, so when you're talking about, like, the ones who could get away with a little lot of more leeway obviously Lion King and Pocahontas are going to be the ones that have to be would be like these have to be perfect these can't be offensive and stuff where Hunchback Uh. could get away (laughs) with a little more because it's not being focused on as much Uh. and the same was I think that was the same with like um, Tarzan and things like that like they were still main stage Disney animations but something else bigger was also being worked on at the same time as them I think that's what I remember it's been a while since I read the thing that was, but, but looking at the, the Wikipedia for Hunchback, those two were going on at the same time as animation was being worked on for Hunchback.
0: Mm-hmm. So obviously, yeah, thank God Pocahontas was not offensive <laughs> anyway.
2: Well, uh, there's that. But, I thought you were going to go for the Lion King also. So Oh, <laughs>
1: but no, they don't, Kill as many people in
0: that's true. They're they're certainly well, you're right, they don't kill as many. There are definitely some deaths, but yeah, this is certainly one of the darkest films, darkest animated films Disney made, especially in this time, and Tarzan's kind
1: of the same way where they. Literally hang someone at the end.
0: Yes, but that's done in shadow. They don't show the body. You know they don't throw a
1: guy into molten metal.
0: Yeah, that's
2: we can get to that. Okay, so (laughs) I have thoughts about that anyway. What cathedral has a? murder hole gargoyle.
1: Oh, it's for for fixing bells
0: ah all right we will get to that because it's the very end of the film we're still kind of talking about characters that's all the things i had to say about esmeralda how she wasn't getting a lot to do and she's a little problematic given the background uh i want to talk about frollo
1: but i mean i think you're talking about like the dancing and stuff but i think that's just more like i mean that's the kind of the, the idea of but that is what she does in the book. She's a dancing girl,
0: right? I think it is true to the character. I think it's a little strange, uh, given what I know about Disney, which is admittedly not a lot. It's weird to see in a Disney film.
1: I mean, but what about the the silly girls in Beauty and the Beast? You,
0: they weren't. But you don't focus. They on were them. silly. They were. They have yeah, boobs they weren't bigger than they, their they, heads. Sure, <laughs> and that's great. We can all admit that that's great. Uh, but. <laughs> Candy? no uh they're they're not great characters but they aren't they also aren't the main female in a film
1: but i think i don't i don't find a problem with it
0: all right fair enough
1: and i'm the girl so i get two votes
0: oh well all right, it's it's a tie vote then um so let's go on to frollo we can all admit that this guy just needs to get laid right <laughs> like he clearly has some pent-up he sexual aggression well, oh, that wait, he's she, taking out on paris as he's a whole he's not a priest in this
1: w- version Which ruins his, like, it makes such a weird plot hole.
0: Of why, why can't he just have a family? Yes! be with a woman already? Yes!
1: Makes a plot hole! Even when they go to his
2: house or whatever during the Hellfire song, because he's looking out the window at the cathedral in that scene, so you know he's not there. But in the background, the whole time is just a giant cross over the fireplace. So it's still it's, it's still like, more like a religious thing than being a judge, but I think
1: it's not like in this time period, good Catholics weren't having affairs all over the place yeah. frollo,
0: <laughs> yes, but he is he is the most pure um old Testament type it's of not religious
1: like being the leader of the city of Paris couldn't get you a girl, frollo,
0: <laughs> yeah, but like he's i I get what you're saying. He should have had sex at least once in his life. And it seems like he really hasn't.
1: It makes a plot hole. He should just be the (laughs) Archdeacon.
0: (laughs) Right. Yeah. So like his song of Hellfire. He's great. Where he I love the music, but it is a problematic song.
1: Well, yes, it's supposed to be.
0: Yeah. And again, it's a problematic song that has not incredibly aged well and even at the time, I don't know if it was supposed to be uh, good for the character, but it's it's weird because I associate Disney villain songs with going against the main hero of the film right where they they're the arch nemesis of the hero their song is how much they hate the hero how much they want to kill the hero or how much they want to take over the the world that the hero is supposed to be king of or in charge of and this is not against the hero it's against a love interest uh because she's, Esmeralda is not the main character of this film.
1: I don't think Frollo ever considers Quasimodo a
0: threat. Never a threat, no. Though he does, he does try to kill him at one point, as Disney villains often do to the heroes. Well, yeah,
1: but that's when he's- also, oh, he... Also, oh, he tries well, to stab end.
0: him with a knife. He doesn't... Well, and slash yeah. him with a sword. At the
1: very, very end, but that's after help. I don't
2: think that he sure. really seems threatened by anyone, because he knows he has all this power, and he has the he, whole c- army at his But he considers
0: his yeah. Esmeralda... So, like, his uh, only threat is this sexy woman. Because
1: she showcases his weakness. Right. Which makes more sense when he's a priest and doesn't make sense when he's not a priest.
0: Yeah, I agree. I guess he's struggling with, he wants to live up to his idea of himself.
1: Yes, and so And he's struggling
0: against being a human man. Yes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Which he sees himself as better. He sees right. him himself be- as, as better than everyone else. Mm-hmm. And therefore, anyone that makes him seem less than that, even Quasimodo- because he has to care for him, makes him feel like I shouldn't have the so that he hides him in the church where he doesn't have to. Because my
0: life is perfect. This guy is clearly imperfect. I do not want to be associated with I can't in, have the city public. see I
1: have this gross son. Stay in your clock tower. I can't let have the city know that I have human emotion. Yeah. So I must he reminds destroy me a this lot, woman.
0: A lot of Javert in how his world is black and white unable to give up his ideals. I feel like if he was to give into uh his relationship is uh his wants with Esmeralda, that would cause strife and he may go to suicide.
1: Um they apparently Disney said they made him the worst on purpose mm-hmm. because apparently they were having problems with some of their previous villains of people kind of being attached to them.
0: <laughs> oh sure. Yeah. Of
1: like Thinking like with kind of like Gaston, and things like that. being like, "Oh, they are these these villains are attractive and cool," and they're like, "No, no, please stop this. We're going to give you just the worst villain in Ah, the world. We're going to give you an
0: old man. (laughs) We're going to give you kill a woman who won't sleep with. We
1: will give you someone you cannot redeem." Please, yeah, I mean, I could definitely
0: see that because, like, uh, I think. There are certain people who are fans of Ursula just because, like, she has a lot of confidence. Uh, There's people who are are fans of Scar just because he uh, he got a bad lot in life. Because he's cheer me, iron. Well, yeah, that too.
1: They wanted to attempt to avert the evil is cool
0: Ah, thing that too many
1: villains have. And so they just. Which is funny because they have specific
2: parties at the parks now just for the villains. So. Yeah, yeah <laughs> but do but they guess, bring Frollo? Guess who's not invited to those? Do they Frollo. have
1: Frollo there? He's, I, I think, think he they... has been there. Has he? Is it because he has a cool right hat like Jafar? The,
2: usually it's like
1: he has the really Queen cool of Hearts
2: and Maleficent and Evil Queen from Malefic- the Snow White and the um, Facilier...
1: Facilia is pretty cool.
0: Yeah. Though, for, like, uh, for Disney villains, and, like, this is true for a lot of uh, cartoon characters, they say you have a good design of a cartoon character if you can immediately identify them from profile, Uh, which, having seen this as a child, there are many more Disney villains I would recognize uh, in profile before Frollo. Like, I don't know immediately if I had just seen this guy out of context, whether I would have even placed him in this film, I'm trying to just because how I'm not super familiar with I it.
1: If I could re- recognize Jafar if he wasn't wearing the hat.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, the hat yeah. is a part of the profile, which is true for Frollo as well. I'm just saying, like, it's he not also has as a pretty cool outlandish... Hat. <laughs> As some of the other character designs for Disney films.
1: (laughs) I have to tell you. So he's got those shoulder pads that stick out. There was one scene.
0: Jafar. (laughs) Yes. No.
1: Frollo. Frollo has- Frollo? He's got these like lapels. All right. That stick out. And in one scene in the final fight when he's up and he swings his sword, his arm disappears out of shot and just the shoulder pad sticks out. (laughs) And for some reason, I had- The way it looked when it... Because my internet has been very bad at the moment because Uh of everyone's inside using the internet. So the internet's terrible. So it it buffered for a moment. And the way it froze with the arm out of shot and the shoulder pads sticking out, I'm like, it definitely looks like he just got his arm cut off. (laughs) And I'm like... I'm pretty sure he didn't, but why does it look like that? <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh, I'm very very dumb."
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh. <what laughs> the point prolo. is,
1: Sarah can't look at animation correctly.
0: That's fair. You're blind.
1: <laughs> to be fair, except for that part, the animation in this movie is good.
0: Oh yeah, I so love the pretty.
1: animation in this. Especially film. the backgrounds, especially well, when yeah, like the backgrounds motors like mostly out...
2: CGI though, so mm-hmm. but like, when... a lot of the bells
0: are as well, I think.
1: Which is fine, like, that's kind of what they did with Tarzan, right, too?
0: Yeah, and Beauty with and the, the Beast vines had and stuff. some stuff in Yeah, it. yeah, yeah, Beauty and the like, Beast, certainly. Every
1: time, like, Quasimodo's out, like, standing on the roof, and I'm like, oh All of the backgrounds were out there.
0: I forgot about the, the note I had in the opening of this film until just now, because the opening of this film, it's she's Notre Dame... Uh, You come in in the clouds, and the only thing sticking out of the clouds is Notre Dame, lonely and isolating, which is exactly the way that Quasimodo would see it. And then the camera dips down through the clouds and goes into the city, which is dirty and busy and uh, and just that stark contrast between what Quasimodo knows of the city and what everyone else in Paris knows of the city. God, it was just a great metaphor and a great opening to this film.
1: I have a note that just says the goat is fine. I don't know what I meant by that.
0: <laughs> the goat Maybe when is you fa- fine. when they're jumping oh, off the building. are oh, you falling no, in love with the goat like the Jason Alexander Gargoyle? No,
1: apparently it had to do with the goat note before that fine. that said, not every Disney movie needs sidekicks. The gargoyles are the worst part uh, of this movie. The goat is fine. Uh, Apparently, yeah. I was okay with the goat.
2: I remember when I was watching this, the time that they're, the when they're escaping from the cathedral. When they're, they're totally Tarzan they surfing just, like, down the roof. They just, like, jump route. down off the edge of the building, and, and then they get to the bottom, and Esmeralda said something about doing it again or something, and the goat's like, Ooh, and I think that was, like, <laughs> the one time I actually laughed at something in the whole movie.
1: <laughs> they are 100% yeah. Tarzan. Tarzan, this was before Tarzan, but they're Tarzan surfing down that road. Oh, rim.
0: for sure, a hundred percent.
1: Um, my question is, what Disney movie do you think started the sassy horse?
0: The sassy horse, because
1: Disney. Oh, loved, you mean Achilles? Because mm-hmm. Disney loves them a sassy horse.
0: Well, Her- right, Hercules I mean, had
2: Pegasus, but that's not sure.
1: Tangled has a sassy af- horse.
2: Yeah, I think it yep,
0: was after true. this one.
1: But is there a previous Beauty and the Beast? Is Philippe kind of a sassy horse? Mm-hmm. Or is he just kind of a scaredy cat?
0: I think he's just a scaredy cat.
2: Is uh, the Aladdin the first sassy horse? In, in in the street rat scene when the prince uh, is making fun of the Aladdin, the horse kind of lifts okay. his nose oh, at him. Oh, that's too.
0: true. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> I'm trying to remember before a then. horse movie and I can't pull the name of it.
1: Is Prince Philip in Sleepy Beauty... It's not
0: Seabiscuit. Does
1: does Prince Philip's horse have kind of a personality? No. No?
2: None of the the horses in the old one. I mean, maybe Cinderella, but they're technically
0: mice, so...
1: (laughs) That's true. I just... Disney (laughs) loves them a sassy horse.
0: Well, you gotta have a sassy horse. You gotta have a sassy, non-talking horse. I
1: just was wondering if this was the start of the sassy horse or if we could think of other sassy
2: (laughs) horses. I I well, if Frollo's horse was not sassy. Uh,
1: apparently, according to commentary, that horse's name was Snowball or Snowflake, maybe either Snowball or Snowflake. Which one? Something
0: incredibly stupid. Oh, Frollo's uh, horse. Frollo's
1: horse. Really? All right. That's what it's a commentary. Apparently, I have to look. Hmm.
0: The other Snowball. Note I want to Frollo's horse's
1: name is Snowball.
0: Um, before we move on to the end, here is the Court of Miracles. <gasps> yeah.
1: Which
0: I really loved because they will mess you up yeah I so when initially I saw the map which is on this necklace that Esmeralda gives to Quasimodo it was immediately clear to me this big cross is Notre Dame this other thing this circle has to be where the Court of Miracles is and I thought oh that's super dumb Mm -hmm. the Court of Miracles should be this underground society that moves around so that it is hard to find so that the guards who search one area think that that's area is fine and then the next night that's where the court of miracles is it should be a shifting city within a city so that these people can remain hidden but when it i thought it was particularly ingenious of how they decided to do it though where the thing on the map is a graveyard so it is not a place where they would get a lot of traffic or guards would search. And the way to get into the Court of Miracles that goes into the sewers and the catacombs is this marked grave, which is actually just a staircase down into the catacombs.
2: It's basically, Indiana
0: Jones. So it in the turns last out you state. were right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Though I just watched that one. I don't know if there's a staircase in a grave. Y- so it no. turns out
1: you were right. You just had a couple more steps to get.
0: Yeah. Though I I really liked that. That was kind of smart and well done. Of course, the sewers in Paris are large enough that you could definitely hide and shift around a bunch.
1: Oh, you will get lost there. They keep finding bodies they weren't expecting.
0: <laughs> now, what about the bodies they were expecting? <laughs>
1: <was just> Sometimes <laughs> they lose those. There's a whole story about that, about a princess body that they were expecting to find and they didn't find. Oh, it's crazy. The catacombs are crazy. Anyway, back to the movie.
0: Yes, I loved the name The Court of Miracles uh, because they explain what it means in the song about The Court of Miracles. Uh, Basically, it just means that everyone who's a beggar is lying. The blind aren't actually blind. The people who don't have legs and are on scooters aren't really legless. So the miracle is that these people who get money for being deformed or blind or whatever, when they come here, they can just be themselves and they get their sight back or they get their legs back.
1: And the dead don't talk.
0: Yeah, Uh, right. Uh, Though what I didn't like about them is... Quasimodo and Phoebus go into this place to get warn all these people, including Esmeralda, that Frollo is coming with a thousand men in the morning. And they spring a trap, which is really well done, where the people, the guards are dressed up as skeletons and lying along the the, the ground where actual skeletons of the catacombs that are just strewn everywhere. And so it's really hard to tell which is a costume and which is a real skeleton. And they spring a trap and they catch these two and they, they go to hang them in the Court of Miracles. But then... They don't leave any of the guards behind because that trap is not sprung again when Frollo comes and gets everybody else. The
1: musical number was very important, girl.
0: I know, but like, it it makes, once you spring a trap, you have to reset the trap. I have
1: to say, I like the facial animations in front of this scene. Because whoever did the facial animation for Phoebus in this song, he just looks so done this entire song like, Yeah, that's great that you're trying to kill me and all, and you're doing this whole song, but I just want it to be over. Like, he doesn't (laughs) look scared or anything, he just looks so annoyed the whole song, and I think it's the funniest animation. Just Phoebus, just eyebrows down, just angry, and I'm like, yeah! Probably.
0: Yeah, because I mean, uh, we didn't talk about his character, which we can. Like, he is a man who has been to war and has been called back for a, the unimportant task of ru- or getting rid of all the gypsies in Paris. And he's just
1: like, why? Yeah, it's like, the like, I year could year be
0: out there killing our enemies. Instead, you have us here killing these people who are just trying to make a buck. Think and here's what, to be so the Hundred at the year fist of Fools thing, they have the gypsies performing
2: and. He, as the magistrate guy, is required to go to these things. So why do they even have the gypsies perform there if they're trying to get rid of them?
0: Hmm. It's a great question. (laughs) I don't know how to answer it. I think Frollo's thing was he wanted to get them out of the city. And he's managed to exile a couple of them. But, like, there was that secret society of them, the Court of Miracles. And so he couldn't get rid of all of them.
1: I think there's certain things that the gypsies are allowed to do in the city. But Frollo, and, and they're kind of seen as second class citizens, I think Frollo in particular hates them all. So he's attempting to catch them doing illegal things so he can get rid of them and is then trying to pin crimes on them to get rid of all of them. So he's trying to kind of, they're technically allowed to be in the city, but he's trying to kind of corruptly make it where they can't be by like doing shifty. Things. Cause I don't think the rest of the, like the average person in Paris doesn't necessarily like them. They're seen as second class, but doesn't necessarily like, Hey, let's kill them all.
0: Yeah. Also for a Rolo festival, them dead. like you would get certain people traveling into the town for this big celebration, which at that point like yeah gypsies are great they're very entertaining but if it's not a festival day they should not be in the city
1: well also they wouldn't stay there all the time because obviously they are a traveling people they don't but they are
0: staying all there all the time the because of the court of miracles they can they have a place in the city that is at least their quote-unquote permanent residence so that they, they don't have to travel on the road which could be dangerous they can stay in a city which is going to be much more prosperous
1: in the is right it or- the
0: book or the musical
1: the musical they they
2: either way it's something not from the movie <laughs>
1: yeah uh-huh. they, they it's kind of one of those things they plot fix later.
0: Yeah, so back to Phoebus. I do like how he does he is a very kind man. And every other guard or official in this movie is not kind in the slightest. Uh, I especially like how gentle he is with Quasimodo uh, upon realizing that Quasimodo also has feelings for Esmeralda. Like, there's the certain type of Disney character, like a Gaston... That, like, if he knew a woman was into him and another guy was into that woman, he would be braggadocious. He would, uh, display his... He would make the woman display her his love for him in front of this guy just to show off, Hey, look, I got the girl you like. Isn't that fun? Uh, whereas Phoebus, upon learning that, is... Uh, is very kind to Quasimodo. He doesn't want to show outward affection towards Esmeralda uh, right in front of him because he knows that it's going to make this guy feel bad about himself. So I just I like that Phoebus is conscious of other people's feelings constantly in this film.
2: So I remember as a kid, again, this was one of the points that was confusing to me because I knew Phoebus works for Frollo and to me that made him the bad guy. So ah. then when Esmeralda, who is like the heroine or whatever is in love with this guy that it's it was just all screwed up because she's falling for the evil guy so in the end to me as a kid it was oh well then quasimodo will save the day and she'll fall in love with him like she's supposed to and then that never happened it's kind of i don't know it was kind of weird for me to see he works for the evil guy but he's not part of the evil team so it was yeah he's um
0: he's kind of a real cronk <laughs> in that he's the right hand uh, man is of the so main much evil Oh, Kronk is infinitely times better.
1: <laughs> um, did you recognize who's doing the voice of one of the the other soldiers? One of the lower oh, level soldiers. Jim Cummings.
2: <laughs> Jim Cummings. He does the voice well, of yes. everyone in Disney movies.
1: Jim Cummings is a, a, a background voice in this, but someone else who plays one of the two like like Tweedledee Tweedledum soldiers was oh. someone that I'm like that voice sounds familiar. And then I realized who it was. Who was it? So it's Bill Foggerbach, <laughs> known for being Dauber on the sitcom Coach okay, and for being well, the voice of Patrick Starr in SpongeBob. Ah, uh, nope.
2: there you go. I wouldn't recognize either of those. He
1: also plays Marshall's dad on How I Met Your Mother. Did neither of you ever watch Coach?
0: Nope. No. I watched Spongebob, so I know Patrick's stuff. Yeah,
1: he's he's the kind of, he, he does a lot of voices of dumb people. Yep. <laughs> but as soon as I heard it, I'm like, that's real, that dumb voice sounds real familiar. <laughs> but yes
0: so this has brought us five measures towards the end of the film. Uh, so let's talk about the climax where Frollo has caught Esmeralda in the Court of Miracles after burning most of Paris. Phoebus?
1: He's so bad at being sneaky. He gets followed so many times for being like this military man. He's probably a strategist because he's a captain. He gets sure. followed at least twice in this movie.
0: Oh, but like Frollo. being good at strategy doesn't necessarily mean that you're good at stealth. He's just used to the
2: battlefield where you just go out there and fight. You don't have to sneak he around. He gets
1: followed by the oldest man in the world and a ton of older people. He gets followed by a whole army and never notices. Twice. <laughs> He's so bad.
0: Yeah, he's not great at that part of his job. Uh, Let's see. Frollo's got Esmeralda. He's about to burn her at the stake. I think, where is Phoebus at this moment? Is he stabbed? Oh, no, no, he's in a cage. No, he's in that cage.
1: Oh, right. He's in a
0: cage. uh, And Quasimodo has been chained to the pillars of Notre Dame, uh, it's very which, Samson. As a real cruel end to his story, Frollo has him chained up so that he can see the courtyard where Esmeralda is going to burn so he can just watch her die within the comfort of his tower.
1: <laughs> he can hang out with his friends and the pigeons. A lot of pigeons.
0: So, I mean, for a final fight scene, this is pretty great. Where everybody, every hero in this film is involved in some way in this fight where phoebus immediately gets free uh the gargoyles grotesque what have you uh talk to quasimodo and beg him to break the chains and he says leave me alone and they turn back to stone which they've never been uh stone when he has been alone with them before uh and he has he finds something within himself the inner strength that he needs
1: he goes all Samson and brings that <laughs> down. The I was going to say
0: the same thing. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. Yes, he uh, he destroys a part of his home. And swings down to save Esmeralda. Now, so
2: he grabs a rope from up there that is able yep. to swing him all the way down to the ground.
0: Oh, for sure. He lets
2: go of the rope to free her and pick her up, then somehow grabs a different rope, or maybe the same one, that is able to swing him back up to the tower <laughs> from the ground. Don't oh, not question! He, I
0: thought he scrambled. I don't remember how he did
2: that. So, I don't I, I don't know how the ropes worked, because some... he had a rope that swung him back to the tower, and then, yeah. then he scrambles up the Side of it. These, which, are, again, these are magical. How ropes. do you climb up a sheer wall with one hand holding a lady over your shoulder?
1: <laughs> hey,
2: uh, Jean Valjean out. could do uh-huh.
0: it.
1: He left it a whole cart. Yeah. Uh, don't question animation physics
2: so yeah but this gets to that other thing again because this is
0: not a sheer wall because this church is very old this wall is going to be chipped in certain sections for sure
2: so this so this is the point where their church apparently has a portcullis system with a murder hole thing that he can burn th- or drop the burning liquid fire onto people and i don't know why that would be in a church <laughs> so i thought they would. Was- are you talking about the gargoyles
1: no, Goyles. what
2: right no 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 so, yeah. he has so after so he throws this giant beam off of the thing that crushes for yeah. right. cart but then when the, during the battle there are people trying yeah. to knock down the door to the cathedral and he pours down like burning lava on them yeah molten lead
1: it's molten metal that's used for repairing bells
0: right so, and he pours that down the water system, because these gargoyles that they're coming out of are meant to get rainwater off of the roof. They're water now, spouts!
1: That's what makes them gargoyles, as yes. opposed to grotesque! Yes. <laughs> no, your uh, architecture! Is,
0: so, he is using the architecture that is intended for draining... Uh, but using it with molten lead, which admittedly may not work, but makes for a very good visual where he is creating a waterfall of fire around the church Telefire. and preventing people from getting in.
1: Nope, I got nothing to add.
0: So this is where, uh, so Frollo's trying to get into the church because Quasimodo is taking Esmeralda there. And in Frollo's mind, uh, Esmeralda has rebuked him one last time and now she needs to die. <laughs>
1: you just said that very (laughs) Uh
0: uh-huh um but this is another confusing thing where the battle is turning towards the good people because uh phoebus has gotten the townsfolk to charge the guards claiming that they're attacking notre dame attacking this national landmark that all the citizens of paris love and respect uh so now they're fighting the guards and the battle is turning in favor of Phoebus and Quasimodo's team. So Quasimodo goes to tell Esmeralda, "Hey, wake up! The battle's turning. You need to get up and come see this." And she doesn't respond. And he tries to pour water down her throat to get her to drink a little something. Uh, and it just it spills all over her mouth. And in a children's cartoon, this visual imagery suggests she's dead. <laughs>
1: remember when I said the musical still Disney, a Disney musical is worse. Yeah. As that's basically where it, not where it ends, but that's where Esmeralda's story ends in the musical. Yeah. That part where she gets up at the end, does not happen in the musical. Esmeralda just dies of smoke inhalation in the
0: musical. Like that makes sense. Cause when you're, Being burnt at the stake, which that fire went on for a while before Quasimodo could get down to her. You would die from inhaling all the smoke before the fire ever reached you. And, like, it's very strange that, like, we don't see her stir in any sort of way to give the viewer any sort of hope that she is going to make a recovery. It is visual language that tells us this character is is dead, and then Quasimodo starts to mourn her.
1: Yeah, they they basically cut it there. I mean, the, the rest of the scenes and stuff end, but they, in the musical, because I was... I went to go see my friends in this and I'm like, the movie, she she survives and she marries Phoebus and there's a, a sequel where Quasimodo gets a girlfriend that's Jennifer Love Hewitt. Yeah. <laughs> don't
2: ask
0: me the what sequel you. is not interesting. A, not a cartoon played by Jennifer Love Hewitt, mind you. This <laughs> is Jennifer, Jennifer Love, love Hewitt, Hewitt, the human being falling in love with a cartoon. And I'm like, yeah,
1: so that's how it ends in the movie. And the Disney musicals that I've seen, because I've seen Lion King and Beauty and the Beast and Little Mermaid, they tend to keep the endings. And all of a sudden, they give her a little speech where she's like, you were my friend about... And then she dies. And I'm sitting there just being like, what just happened? Uh, what do you mean they
3: changed the ending? Disney, Disney, what did you do?
0: Right. And it's, it's very strange for a Disney production to end without a love story of two people getting together at the end.
1: And the kitty, Oh, and, and oh. And as we go on, I will, I'll, I'll summarize the whole ending after we finish the the movie ending. All
0: right. So I guess the, the only thing we have left to cover is Frollo coming to kill Quasimodo, who who finds him mourning Esmeralda over what we presume to be her corpse. (laughs)
1: And he's just like, good, she's dead.
0: Right. And it's like, he is asking for forgiveness from Quasimodo in that he has to kill Quasimodo, as, like, uh, it suggests that Quasimodo has fulfilled the, the only purpose he was ever being kept around for, which uh, is a running thing throughout the thing, where uh, Frollo says maybe he will be useful one day, uh, and then he turns out to be useful by showing him the Court of Miracles, and now he's completely expendable. Uh, and he tries to stab him with a knife and Quasimodo grabs his arm and is way stronger than him and should have just punched his master to death right there (laughs) and then um, Esmeralda stirs uh, and he realizes he has to save her from Frollo. There's a final fight scene on the balconies of Notre Dame, which I really love because Quasimodo doesn't want to hurt Frollo. He still has feelings for this man, even though this man tried to kill him and told him he was a monster's entire life. He still sees him as a father figure. And so his... His immediate reaction is just to hide from Frollo, and I love the way that they do this, because Frollo is, gets out to the balcony just after they do, and he looks around, and he turns a corner, and he looks everywhere, and he can't see Quasimodo, and he can't see Esmeralda, and then he looks over the edge, and Quasimodo is just hanging there uh, in the best hiding spot he could find, which was just off the edge, not thinking that Frollo would look there.
1: Uh, He also cape whips him, which is the, (laughs) it is the, I don't know who came up with that idea as an attack is just Frollo cape whipping him off a roof.
0: Yeah, it's great. Uh, and then we get some some acrobatics as Quasimodo is dodging the sword play um, that's the part Frollo, where I thought that Frolo didn't apparently have an arm He had a sword the entire time this is the first we're seeing of it
1: he's, he's a rich man in Paris of course he probably had a sword <laughs> that's probably mostly decorative because everybody in rich, Paris just has a sword. random
0: sword that they carry around this, is like, uh-huh. this
1: is like 1450 of course they did if you're that rich you probably have a decorative sword this is a
0: very sharp sword and a very strong sword that can hit stone gargoyles and chop them in half and not chip in any way this
1: is probably like a very very nice sword to say hey look i'm a rich man sure if, if i might have to duel someone look at my sword
0: but ceremonial swords are not necessarily mm-hmm. strong and can hit stone a million times.
1: It's a very rich man. It's a very strong sword. <laughs> it's compensating for something.
0: Well, yeah, he's compensating for the sex life he doesn't have. It's
1: like getting a very expensive car. Oh, mm-hmm. There's a cat outside my window, and instead it
0: he got a very expensive it's horse It's
1: freaking out my like dog.
0: <laughs> I could hear it. All right, let's finish out the film because it's. Um, um,
1: but this is the part where I thought Frollo didn't have an.
0: Oh, right, right. So the final scenes of this Frollo falls off and Quasimodo goes to grab him, manages to hold on to him, but slips with the hand on the building and Esmeralda catches him. And it's this, this moment where Quasimodo has to decide, do I save? my master or do i hold on to the hand of the woman that i love uh and choose a life with her and so he's got to make this mental choice uh meanwhile frollo is doing his own thing and climbing up onto a gargoyle and manages to save himself not considering quasimodo or esmeralda at all and esmeralda is Holding on to Quasimodo, struggling to pull him back up. He can't get a foothold. And I love this final moment where Frollo quotes from the Bible something about how God shall smite the wicked and they shall fall into eternal damnation, uh, just as the gargoyle underneath him snaps and he falls down, holds on to it for just a second until the whole thing goes and he falls into the hellfire himself. Now, in this final moment, the gargoyle does something and changes a different color and scares Frollo. What do you guys interpret that as being? What is the meaning behind this weird gargoyle change?
1: The wrath of God.
2: Yeah. I
0: See, I, that was one thing
2: that I didn't really like. It's just kind of weird that, like, I could see, again, I guess because we've been seeing Quasimodo's imaginary friends for the whole movie. So maybe it makes sense that now we're seeing something that, Frollo is picturing in his mind, he happens to see this demon or something appear before him just as he's about to die. And so he thinks that that is what's dragging him down. But I don't know, to me... It could be uh, leftover metal. To me, it was not necessary, I guess, because he had just said that whole line and then he falls. So you already get the symbolism of it, but...
0: Right. To me, it was... There's this thing in movies where, like, you've set up that these gargoyles are really talking this entire time, but they're hiding from Frollo. Like, they would show themselves in the final moment to have—when they have the upper hand against Frollo— and reveal to him and the audience that the gargoyles have been truly alive this entire time and just in hiding. But it isn't done incredibly well. It isn't done um, to a good extent. I feel like if it was, this would have been foreshadowed much earlier in the film. It is a weird thing to have at the final moment of a character's death uh, that doesn't really make sense in this film.
1: I was going to make a Chekhov's gargoyle joke, but it doesn't quite work.
0: Yeah, said you just made it anyways, right now.
1: <sighs> well, you said if you set up this sure, thing earlier, and I'm like, work, check it, out guns, but it, you check see out a Gargoyle. And- if you see a
0: Gargoyle in the first act, they're going to be spitting fire in the last act.
1: Gotta make it work! <clears throat>
0: All right. Uh, and Uh Then we get the, the final, final scenes where I love that we see... Quasimodo put Phoebus and Esmeralda's hands together and clasp them in such a way that his hands are surrounding it with the symbolism that I know you two love each other, I know you two will be good to each other, and I'm okay with both of you, and I will be friends with you both. Because he puts a hand on top of the bottom, one on each of their hands, and their hands are clasping in the center. Like that's wonderful symbolism. For his exceptions of their relationship, despite his own feelings,
1: I also like Esmeralda in both this scene and then on the roof. She goes to Quasimodo first, and then when they come out, she also goes back and gets Quasimodo. And the, the idea that Quasimodo is very throughout the whole thing is, I'm gonna stay here. I don't need to when he she talks about visiting him and stuff like. Oh, I I don't leave. I don't do. I don't need to go back out and stuff like that. And so she very purposefully kind of, even though she said romantically she's choosing Phoebus, she's still saying, you are part of what made this happen. You are important to me. You are why this day has been saved and you need to be appreciated with the rest of us. And so I think that's a very, very good moment in this very end scene.
0: Yeah, where he is accepted by the city and treated like one of their own instead of the king of fools yeah. which he was crowned earlier instead
1: of the king of fools he is now the hero it's it's a true celebration of him which is what he wanted which he what he he thought he was getting in the king of fools which ended up being a mockery and this is now kind of that same celebration, what he thought he was getting, but he's now he's actually getting it.
2: And then he gets the Rudy ending and they carry him off into the sunset. <laughs> uh-huh.
0: And then he gets to play on the field one time, televi- televised for his father.
1: And then he gets Jennifer Love Hewitt.
2: So this is
0: another <laughs> well, point,
2: though. that's in the sequence. We're
1: not watching that.
2: So the, no. the CGI part of this was something that I noticed pretty quickly, though, right at the end. They go carrying him off. And as the camera kind of pans out away from all of them, all of the townspeople are CGI characters at this point. Yeah. And it's interesting because you can see like the 3D look of it almost but I think this was early enough on in the CGI that many of them are doing exactly the same thing. <laughs> so, uh-huh. so I was we- watching, yeah. and you could just see some people making exactly the same arm motions over and over again, every mm-hmm. like maybe for three you or four You can also seconds. notice
0: it in the, uh, the burning scene where uh, there's guards that are creating a perimeter uh, from the townsfolk breaking into this uh, this pyre where Esmeralda is burning, but the guards are in 3D and the rest of the crowd isn't, and the guards are not well-defined, and they're all they are doing is moving back and forth, back and forth slightly. Now, granted, they're not the focus of any one frame, and so you have to look away from what the film is telling you to look at to see it, but once you see it, God, you can't look away from it. You
1: also don't notice it that much if you're blind.
0: No, so if you well, have poor eyesight. you wouldn't notice much of the movie at all then. So. Well, I'm just yeah, saying. I if, notice a lot. Uh Blind people don't tend to see if, anything. If you
1: have poor eyesight like me, unlike Carl, who we established early when we were talking by better ourselves. Better 2020. Have, if you have better than 2020, this is noticeable. You're like me and have glasses like thicker than a book it's not as noticeable so
0: just it's also noticeable because I, I watched it on my computer which is about a foot away from my face i
1: watched it on a s- small tablet that i set on my knee far away from
0: <laughs> myself right right
1: and also glasses the size of a book yeah
0: you watched it as if it was a vision test
1: it was, i know <laughs> um c- can i also say i wish this movie ended about 10 seconds earlier than it did
0: Oh, really? Be- because so the
1: gargoyles
2: had that stupid ending.
1: So it ended on the lovely end note of the replies yeah. of the Bells of Notre Dame and not the stupid joke about whether pigeons migrate. Guess what? They're rock pigeons. They don't. So, too <laughs> bad, Laverne.
0: All righty. We're on oh. that note.
1: Wait, so mm-hmm. just so I can give a quick recap on how they made it worse oh, in the musical yeah. Phoebus gets stabbed a lot, and so he can't lift up Esmeralda's dead body to, to take her to be buried. Oh, sure. So it's it's left up to your decision whether he recovers or dies. Furlough does get tossed off into the fire with the very chilling line where Quasimodo looks at him and says, I told you, master, I am very strong. And tosses him off the building. <laughs> Esmeralda dies of smoke inhalation. Quasimodo carries her off to the catacombs where he starves himself to death. And they do talk about the line from the book where years later they find two skeletons curled together. One has a deformed spine and it crumbles to dust. They do a reprise of Bells of Notre Dame, which asks who's the monster, who is the man? He takes off his his fake hump gives it to the ghost of his dead mother. <laughs> um, Cause the ghost of his dead mother and father come back as like, like visions to him in the finale when he's deciding whether or not to um, push Frollo up the roof. And so it ends with this question of who is the monster of the man after t- three of the main characters have died and Phoebus might die. So, uh-huh.
2: So we found another role where Sarah could play a ghost lady on stage.
1: So at least five people die in that version and maybe Phoebus. So as opposed to the two in this version, we're up to five.
0: Cool. Good and great.
1: So Disney, Disney made it worse, (laughs) but they got rid of that terrible song. They got rid of Guy Like You. And replaced it with some more cool Latin chanting. So yeah,
0: you ain't never gonna have a guy like you.
1: <laughs> so, so for that,
0: oh. thank you for that. Because
1: uh-huh. I never want to hear that song again.
0: Alrighty. So on that note, let's go on to games. <laughs> first game is The Pitch Game, a game where we put together two or three movies in the form It's This Meets This to describe this film. So I'm going to be starting us off here describing what The Hunchback of Notre Dame is in terms of other things. Alright, so... Since this is a film featuring a character who's taken into custody of the main villain as a baby and spends their entire life in a stone building longing to leave to experience a festival firsthand, and a movie with a young boy with a physical deformity struggling for acceptance from mainstream society who fails to see past his looks to see his kindness and intelligence. During the film, he experiences his first love, but does not ultimately end up with her. What are your guesses? Tangled. (laughs) Um. And?
1: I got distracted by my dog.
0: Cool. Um. Um.
1: Deformed boy.
0: Deformed boy, struggling for acceptance, gets his first love, but doesn't end up with her. Forrest Gump. Mm. I mean, that does kind of work. He is deformed as a child. What is with that one we
1: share? Who finds uh, the boy in the basement? My
0: girl. I mean, Sarah, you nailed it. Um <laughs> uh, because because this is Tangled meets Mask. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Mark, Wait. go ahead. I had to
1: remember that now, movie existed not first. not The
0: Mask with Jim Carrey. <laughs> no, it is not The Mask. No, it it's just about mask. finding the
1: deformed boy in the basement and it has Cher in it.
0: Right. The, why would they keep him in the basement? Cher is very accepting and, like, no, everyone she, in his life besides Cher. The doesn't kids at keep school. him in
1: the basement?
0: Okay. <laughs> I'm, I have not seen
2: this movie, so none of this He's makes sense. He's only in the sense.
1: basement at the very beginning. Well,
2: now I have decisions ah. because. Because I used yes, one viewers? Yes, which I kind of cool. assumed would happen, um, but not this soon. So <laughs> I'm like, do I want to do a different one? So you don't steal one of those. Yeah, I mean, you're
0: going to steal one of mine for sure. I feel like out of the four I have remaining, you will probably steal two of them. But the other two, I think I've. But got you're to saying myself. them first, so I I won't be stealing them. I think. Well, you could steal them now. Is my point. I think.
3: Oh, boy. Of words,
0: a movie where a man
2: is raised by an adopted family and kept isolated from the rest of humanity somehow this isolation has granted him inhuman grip strength and the ability to parkour like an ape he is brought into touch with society when he meets a woman who takes a particular interest in him uh-huh. and an animated disney film with unforgettable music by alan menken and
0: forgettable characters
1: Well, the first part of that could be literally any (laughs) Disney movie.
0: Any Disney film. Now, I know a Disney film that you do not care for. (laughs) And I wonder if that's the one you chose.
1: But neither of the ones I know he doesn't like or think are Alan Mink.
0: One of them certainly is. So I will take my shot here and say that it it is Tarzan meets Aladdin. Incorrect. Okay.
1: He doesn't, I thought you liked. Aladdin.
0: Mark does
2: not care what? for Aladdin. Mark like I like Aladdin?
1: Aladdin. Mark likes what? Aladdin. I
2: never said that. Mark, you have- I don't Mark like
0: it as like, much as you do. You have implied it a lot that I am a fool for liking Aladdin. Mark
1: doesn't like Hercules and Tarzan.
0: Okay. Well, Tarzan was the first one, I think. It was. Well, Tarzan
1: is the first one. Tarzan and, was correct. But I know he doesn't like Hercules, but Hercules isn't Alan Mankin, I don't think. But he's fine with Beauty and the Beast, I think. I don't know. The princess and the frog? Oh, Fro- no, Frozen's not Alan Mankin. That's now, what the Lopez is.
2: I, I will have to look that up now because I looked it up earlier and it was... Did, is,
1: Her- is Hercules Alan Mankin?
2: According to the internets, it is. Is it? <laughs> cool. So it is... that Yes. Tarzan meets
0: Hercules. All right, Sarah, go ahead.
1: Okay, because it is about a... <sighs> disfigured man who hides himself away in an architectural Marvel building in Paris meets a story of a love triangle where one is a handsome man and one is a man with facial deformities but a kind heart.
0: Hmm. Oh, okay. Now, does that that second one, does he start with a kind heart?
1: Yeah, maybe. Okay.
0: That end is not the film I think about.
1: I don't know he's fine, like the better guy. Um, oh, I will say the second one isn't has has been done multiple times.
0: I was gonna say, my guess is uh, Count of Monte Cristo needs uh, <laughs> did you say <laughs> I meant to say cristo sure. but I had something in my mouth,
1: not even close. <laughs> The Count of Monte Cristo isn't deformed.
0: No, he he's has that exiled. mask on. Oh, no,
2: sorry. but your first the one man didn't the, say the it man was deformed. You just said he was yes, locked said, away.
1: No, I said a deformed man who hides himself away.
0: All right. In an architectural Let me change it marble. because I was thinking of the wrong thing. I was thinking of the man in the iron mask, which is probably also wrong. No, but, but he's those... wearing the iron mask for a reason.
1: Yes. And he's not locked away. He just... Hides away.
0: Hmm.
1: Also, oh, you picked two books that were written by the same person, I'm pretty sure. This is Where's so that? easy, oh, you guys. I thought
0: Carl Was already that got Dumas? it. Dumas? No! Alexandre Dumas? Yes. Maybe. Okay. Mark, do you have
2: a guess? I forgot what they even were because I a thought I did it. A man
1: with a <laughs> physical deformity hiding himself away in Paris. In an architectural, a very big architectural, famous building in Paris.
0: Oh, the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> Sarah, I don't know it And you're doing the thing that's like If you know the answer, it's very If I obvious. do
1: this, will it help?
0: Mm,
2: I, I know what that one is That's All right. the Phantom of the Opera The other one I want to say Is um, Something else <laughs>
1: I can also do a, a hint for this one if it would help you.
0: Is it though a Cyrano? Yes, I didn't realize, Cyrano. I didn't, I didn't realize your clue was covering all of the half of the face. I thought it was just an eye patch. No.
1: Also, it was the, the ballet house, sure. the opera house.
0: All right, so I'm going to throw in the towel. Yes, I don't know what this is.
1: No, Mark already said yeah. it. The second one was Cyrano.
0: Cyrano? Cyrano de that? Bergerac?
1: Nah. Have you ever heard of the movie Roxanne?
2: Roxanne. It's about a man <laughs> I know with, that Roxanne. It's about
1: a man with a very large nose that helps write letters for another man to win his love, but at the same time Cyrano is also in love with that woman, but feels okay. he cannot win her because he has a very large nose.
2: <laughs> that was my first thought for that one, but I have never actually seen
0: that, so it was mostly a guess. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Roxanne has Steve Martin in it.
0: I know it as a reference. Like, that's the classic reference where, like, somebody is talking to someone at a windowsill and somebody else is feeding them lines from a book. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I know it as a reference.
1: I can't believe you've never seen Roxanne.
0: Oh, yeah, sorry. Uh, You're right see, about Hercules.
1: It mine? is Alan Menken. Hmm.
0: All right, my next a lot one. Of stuff. Since this movie is a 90s Disney film featuring a character that maneuvers around a city, scaling buildings and swinging on things, street performers and thieves who dress up to avoid detection from city guards, and an opening number from a comic relief character earning money on the street behind a stand. I- and? And? <laughs> <laughs> a man who was born ugly Who uses his uncanny strength To defend a lady of the street Going up against one of the highest Respected city officials to do so
1: I want you to say I said something I about said something really stupid to the first one And then went Wait that doesn't make any sense I just focused it on one thing And almost just went Spider-Man
0: <laughs> And then yeah. went
1: Wait Spider-Man's not a musical I mean, it, it wasn't is now, a Disney
0: movie it was also, in the 90s It's either. also not a 90s Disney film. Um,
1: I mean, it's, a, it's Disney now.
2: <laughs> so, obviously, that one was Aladdin.
1: I know. Erect. I thought of it after I just went, swinging! Spider-Man! And then I went, wait, no. <laughs> and then I went, oh, right. And
0: the comic relief character earning money on the street behind a stand. Was that J. Jonah Jameson? <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> obviously, so
0: that was the lizard. Oh, of course, uh, the the college professor, the lizard
1: with one arm.
0: Yeah, yeah. All right. So, a man born ugly, uncanny strength, uh, going up against the highest respected city officials. Any guesses? I was this one's say a bit
1: really stupid
0: again. This one, yeah. Go ahead.
1: It's obviously the Hulk.
0: Ah, no. Um, was he born this one ugly? Is, this one is harder to get. Uh, is oh, it. Uh, um, um,
2: Batman Returns. Ooh, no.
1: (laughs) I was going to say that one storyline in Sin City.
0: Correct. What? That is is what we're going for. The story of Marv? Yes. Uh. So it was Aladdin meets Sin City.
2: Well, I still like Chester Cobblepot. (laughs) It's basically the same thing. Although I guess he kind of is one of the big respected people eventually, isn't he? I don't remember. (laughs)
0: Oh, oh, right. Sorry, you said Cobblepot, and I i was thinking of the goodies. <laughs> uh, we should watch that. Oh, wait. We, we
1: already, already have.
2: have. <laughs> All right, Mark, go ahead.
1: Try, I'll try not to say stupid answers this time, but I no, promise nothing. No,
2: keep saying was stupid answers, last time. Because that helps us
0: something. Hey,
1: I got both of Carl's harder ones. After I said something stupid, so.
0: Hold on. The first one of that was easy. No, yes. <laughs> no, I
1: got Sin City and I got Mask.
0: Oh, that's fair. All right. Well, you're not going to both get of my those next were card, movies that, that Mark has just, never
2: seen, so it's pretty just obvious because why it, he it's didn't. Impossible.
1: I've only seen part of Mask, and that's because right. it came on okay. TV.
2: Mark, please go ahead. All right. Because it's a movie with a main character who spies on the villagers out his window to build a model replica of his town. A hideous creature frightens most of the town folk and a young woman finds solace with unusual characters hidden from society. And a movie where standing on top of a precipice above the burning ruins of a once prosperous land, the villain has certain, uh, certain victory until, uh, man, I can't read my own writing until (laughs) (laughs) standing on top of a precipice above the burning ruins of a once prosperous land. The villain has certain victory until revealing a dark secret, which sparks the hero to fight back and win the day. And the villain falls to a gruesome death. All right. I got the second one.
1: I might have the first one.
2: All right, but do I the don't first know one, why. I'll do the second one.
1: I don't think this is correct, but really, it does describe Beetlejuice.
0: That is correct. Cool, and the second one's Lion King. Hooray. That's what I guessed
1: too. Very I, nice. I, 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 all, I was like, what. Movie has a model city and literally the only thing I could think of was Beetlejuice.
0: Oh,
2: that right. was immediately okay. when I saw that thing. And I was like, oh, it's Beetlejuice again. <laughs>
0: but yeah, the was- other thing that came to mind was Edward Scissorhands where he's, but it's not a model city. It's just like creating ice sculptures. Yeah.
1: That movie makes me cry.
0: Yeah. Very upsetting. All right, what is your next one, Sarah? Because
1: it's about a young child who is taken in by a adoptive parent of figure of a sort who is then uh, abused by them and forced to do tasks um, and never allowed to go to party festivals that they want to attend, meets a, a movie that ends with someone getting pushed out of a tower to their death.
2: Oh,
3: God. I'm well, so anything. sorry.
1: I thought of this because it was like, oh, someone's getting pushed out of a tower.
2: Cinderella <laughs> meets Die Hard.
1: I would like to say I think this one's also a church bell tower. Uh,
2: mm. Cinderella meets Batman. No.
1: Cinderella but it is meets, Cinderella.
0: Um, God, what was that? Um, Cowboy Bebop movie. <laughs> what? No. That is the, it's known as one of the most tragic anime deaths.
1: Mm. Um, Think older.
0: Mm, older than Cowboy Bebop. Falling out of a tower. Falling out of a tower.
1: I think classic.
2: Vertigo Older and classic. Think. I think somebody falls out of a tower in Vertigo. But yes, it- do Vertigo. Again. Again. I said that oh. already. Oh,
1: you're yeah. kind of chewing on your pen, and you keep freezing on me. So, uh, oh, okay. you're frozen again. Wait, you're back.
0: I, I see him fine.
1: I told you I keep having internet issues, yep. but it's only him. I- you're fine. Cool. Sorry, Mark. But yes, Vertigo. Well, both
2: of you have been kind of fritzing, so it probably is It is a bell
1: tower, right? Yeah, he gets pushed out of a bell tower.
0: Bell tower? Isn't it a bell tower? I I, I thought the Vertigo, the whole thing was an apartment building. No, that's... No. That's that's um,
1: rear rear window?
0: Yeah. No, I thought thought Vertigo was about the travel around the edge of an apartment building, going out one window, going the entire length of it and coming back. And then the other guy is forced out of the window to do the same thing, but falls. I no. don't, I don't.
1: Isn't Frederico <laughs> the one where he, with the girl that he thinks is the other girl?
2: Yeah. And then they, yeah. And then it, they're it, in the bell right, tower. I might and be confusing. The- Cause then she jumps off or she throws a dummy off or something to make and him then think he, that she's dead. And then Yeah.
1: And then he gets startled and falls out the bell tower.
0: Anyway. Yes. <laughs> this is not that movie.
1: It's a mission, Bell. I All am right. correct. I will.
0: I will find what I'm thinking of, which I always assumed was Vertigo, because I I remember seeing this and then not not seeing Vertigo, and it is done in the black and white, and it is kind of Hitchcockian. So I always assumed as Vertigo. I understand now that I'm wrong. Anyway, <laughs> I'm going to finish off my last one here. I will tell you the second one is a bit impossible. Um,
1: is it the movie you thought was Vertigo?
0: No, it is the uh, so. It is a mistake, however, because when I downloaded this film, as I often do to watch it, uh, it said it was The Hunchback of Notre Dame, and it was uh, the correct year, and I downloaded it, and the first thing I saw on the screen was like, Showtime Presents, and I thought to myself- It wasn't
1: softcore porn, was it?
0: No. Uh, I thought to myself, this cannot be right, and it wasn't, because it was a live-action film. Uh, But I included it here, uh, and you guys can see, if you can guess, what was mistakenly put in place for The Hunchback of Notre Dame. But here are the clues. Uh, So... Since this is a film with Kevin Klein in an animated film playing a character gifted in strategy who arrives in a city and gets caught up in a love triangle with a streetwise woman who is unafraid to use her feminine wiles to her advantage. Also featuring characters following a map to a hidden society.
1: I wonder what that is!
0: Right. And then it meets a film based on the classic Victor Hugo novel featuring a freakishly strong character who is shunned by society following Calls for a French girl named Esmeralda and features a lot of shots of Notre Dame, but not the one you're thinking of. <laughs> so, uh, I assume you know the first one.
1: I assume that's El Dorado.
0: No, it's the road to El Dorado. Oh my goodness. Mark is more correct and therefore gets the point.
1: <laughs> I assume this is some live action adaptation of The Hunchback of Notre Dame.
0: Mmm, It's close. They changed... One of the words of the title,
1: a hunchback of Notre Dame.
0: The hunchback in Notre Dame. <laughs> was it like the
2: old, old timey classic one? Because that popped no. up for me
0: a few times. So, uh, so the film I mistakenly downloaded, uh, which was labeled incorrectly, will come second. But this is the road to El Dorado meets the halfback of <laughs> Notre Dame. Wait, what? Is that like yes, the Rudy story? It is a. It is a film where nobody is deformed nobody has a hunchback but the guy playing halfback on a football team is very powerful and clumsy and ends up dating the quarterbacks girl called Esmeralda hmm. and it all takes place is at the quarterback, a high school is the quarterback in, named Phoebus no maybe <laughs> uh, but I don't I didn't get that far it takes place at like a high school that is also the college of Notre Dame I it's want very strange
1: to watch this
2: yeah I'll send it to you. we should do that do. for our next episode now, just because.
1: <laughs> that sounds like a terrible, like, like Hallmark movie, and I am for it.
0: Yes, it struck me as one of those terrible, like, not the good ones, but the really bad Disney Channel original films.
1: Oh, mm-hmm. I would still watch it.
0: All right, Mark, finish off I this have round of pitch one game. One
2: more, which you may have already heard. It's a movie where uh, the main character has been trapped in one building by an adoptive parent, wants nothing more than to go out and see the world. When they finally get the chance, they are too scared of everything and want to go back to the safety of their tower. Meets. A movie where two men join forces in Paris to help a gypsy woman escape and overthrow a man bent on power and destruction.
1: I would say Tangled.
0: Yeah, I'm having trouble with the second one. The Lon- I was hoping you would.
1: <laughs> the Long Chaney version of The Hunchback of Notre Dame.
0: <laughs> no. The Phantom of the Opera. No.
1: The Phantom of the Lamprey.
0: It was... <laughs> the Phantom of the Stingray.
2: When, what, two, 2011-ish? A more modern-ish movie.
1: As Above, So Below.
2: Beauty and the Beast, the remake with Emma Watson. I
1: haven't seen that. Uh,
2: I haven't either. I don't really want to. Um, Robert Downey Jr.
1: Oh! Is it the second uh, Sherlock Holmes movie?
2: It is. <laughs> Tangled
0: meets Sherlock Holmes. A Game of Shadows. That's what it is. I knew Shadows were the title. I was going to say Sherlock Holmes, A Book of Shadows, but that's a <laughs> National Treasure movie.
2: I don't think Shadows was National Treasure. It was Book of Secrets.
0: Book of Secrets. Do you think
2: they're
1: going to make shadows. another one of those? Because I'd watch what, another national one. National Treasure?
0: Yeah. I... It'll be years. Nick Cage has so many projects that are all bad.
1: I'd watch Mandy was supposed to be good.
0: There is supposed to be a third Sherlock Holmes movie, though.
2: <sighs> with the Robert Downey Jr. Now that all the Avengers know. are done. Yeah, and
0: but, now but like, that they've Lula- also- They've also just done a um a Sherlock Holmes with uh what's his name? Philip Seymour no, not Seymour Hoffman. No, um, he's dead. Yeah. <laughs> they, John C. Riley. Yeah, we but go. that was
1: the parody one and it was terrible.
0: Yeah, I saw it. It was awful.
1: Um but Doctor Doolittle didn't make was terrible and didn't make any money, and so Robert Downer Jr. has to go back to a franchise that'll make him money, and he can't do another Marvel one because he's not. Though he's
0: on like they, the they Marvel TV They could do TV a time shows. travel one.
1: Well, they're supposed to, but
0: yeah, he's he's a voice on I think uh, one of the Marvel TV shows on Disney Plus. Anywho, moving on to our second game, which is alternate tagline: a word or phrase you would see in the movie poster for this film that describes the theme of the movie, though possibly miss the point now. Now, we tried to look up actual taglines for the film, and turns out they do not exist. And so anything we come up with will be better than what was on the movie poster, given that nothing was there. Uh, So my first one, I put down probably the most obvious thing I could think of, um, which should have been on the movie poster, because it, it encapsulates the film and it doesn't miss the point in the slightest. It is simply The Hunchback of Notre Dame. What makes a monster and what makes a man? Mm
1: -hmm.
2: I had thought about that, but I figured it was just an obvious thing.
0: It is, though that's my creative process as I write down the obvious and then I go to more. Considering
2: that they didn't make any, I mean, it's better than nothing. Mm -hmm. Mark, Um, go ahead. Okay, Hunchback of Notre Dame. Ugly is the new beautiful.
1: Hunchback of Notre Dame. Maybe we should have stayed inside. <laughs>
2: the 2020 <God>.
0: story. <laughs> that, yeah, that is that is too close to home right now. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> My next one here. To
1: catch a disease, you could set Paris on fire.
0: Yeah. Uh, the Hunchback of Notre Dame. Disney gone to the dark side. I mean, they already bought Star Wars. What do you want? <laughs> well, if it had been released, if that tagline had been released, it would have been very prescient. But now it is just revisionist history. Yes. Mark, go ahead.
2: The Hunchback of Notre Dame, Friend Zone the movie.
0: Oh!
1: I was going to make a mean joke, but I won't. Um,
2: you mean the story of Mark?
1: <laughs> I was going to say it both of you, but...
0: <laughs> oh, uh... Well.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Our audience can't see that.
0: I'm flipping Sarah the bird with two hands.
1: Um, Hunchback of Notre Dame. <laughs> We cut out the really weird stuff.
0: (laughs) And we left in some weirder stuff. (laughs) Uh, My final one here. The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Upholding morality with a burning desire.
1: (laughs) I tried to make a fire joke and the only thing I came up with was this movie is lit and I hated myself. (laughs) And so I did not do it.
2: But you just did.
1: I know. I want our audience to be disappointed in me.
0: Let's move on to our final game, which is the TV Guide Game, a description of the plot of the film you would see in a Netflix or TV Guide description uh, that is factually accurate to the plot of the film, though possibly misses the point. So I am super not proud of mine. are you but ever? Yes, I am usually proud of mine. This is not the right movie for it. I think because I enjoyed this movie, it's hard to make mm-hmm. fun of something that you enjoy. Anywho,
1: why is Mark always surprised when we like things he doesn't?
0: I don't know. All right, but the plot of The Hunchback of Notre Dame is a pious man does not know how to deal with his first crush, despite being perfectly okay with infant murder. So he decides to just kill her instead.
1: Yes. Yeah, good i mean that's just that's just the
2: movie yeah i thought you thought we were supposed to miss the point well <laughs> i mean yeah okay this movie follows the story of a budding romance we see a man stay loyal to his crush despite being rejected more than once in the end hugo must move on from the goat of his dreams oh <laughs> all right
1: leave the that goat does. alone
0: <laughs> he is fine
1: um Three men completely destroy Paris in an attempt to get a, the attention of a girl.
0: <laughs> ah. Yeah, and one of them succeeds. Well, two succeed, and that one destroys Paris, and the other gets the girl. <laughs> <laughs>
3: that is true.
0: Alright. Uh, my final one here, uh, the plot of A Hunt, Rack, is a deformed man who has spent his whole life in hiding, slowly goes insane from social isolation, s- terrorizes Paris by watching, stalking, and scaring the townsfolk, threatening the captain of the city guard, and creating a waterfall of molten lead around one of the city's most famous landmarks. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah gives no! you a thumbs up. You know your listeners can't see Sorry. that sarah it
1: just it just reminded me of something that annoyed me from this movie which is at one point Esmeralda does finger gun, <laughs> and I'm just like, "What is happening?" And that's what I just reminded myself <laughs> of by doing a thumbs up. Don't cool. do finger guns in your movie that takes place in like 1450.
0: Hey, maybe she was the inventor of finger guns. She
1: also the I don't know when guns were invented. I can't.
0: They were invented in China.
2: It w- yeah, but it would have been well before then. Well, gunpowder at least was
0: sure. Gunpowder. I guess they're just hand cannons. I don't know when did, when were bullets invented?
1: Thirteen around cannons were invented around thirteen twenty, but when were guns invented?
0: Good. sure. And isn't well, uh, while Sarah
2: googles things, I'll do my next guess. Maybe game, they weren't finger
0: guns. Maybe they were finger fireworks. <laughs> finger fireworks. <butter.
2: clears throat> <clears throat> a wanted gypsy woman evades the authorities, and a local magistrate accuses his ward of aiding her escape
0: based on a hunch. Oh God! You're welcome. Ah! Is that ah, even? Ah. Uh, I suppose it's a pun. I'm t- mm.
1: I don't like it. I, I don't, Either I way, don't, I don't like it.
0: That's the it's point.
1: Pain. I don't. <laughs> okay.
2: There always has to be at least one terrible one like <laughs> Oh,
0: Mark, I do plenty of terrible ones.
1: Mine is morally terrible the next one. Oh, good. A city official learns that adoption is more hassle than it's worth.
0: (laughs) You're right. He should have just followed through with his plan at the beginning. All right, let's move on to our reviews, starting, of course, with our potato scale, where we tell our listeners what they should expect to feel when watching this movie in terms of our relationship with potatoes. Now, as always, I have not prepared this. <laughs> uh, and so, Even though
2: Mark tried to remind him
0: before no, no, we no. started, and he I refused. purposely do not prepare it. Um, so I can keep Will this running be- joke alive. So one of you needs to start, what is the Hunchback of Notre Dame in terms of potatoes? Will
1: you be really mad at me if I create another potato?
0: No, as long as it makes sense and you put on the list um what it means.
2: I was actually debating about a new one, but I couldn't think of one. So, well, I don't know if Sarah has hers ready to go. I actually wrote mine down even. <laughs> I think we have go. discussed at length the darkness of this film. Uh-huh. So obviously that's going to go with the black potato, um, which on our list is the, I don't have my list open, but it's something about being a dark movie, (laughs) troubling issues. There we go but um i will say at the end and with the musical swells that happen during the climax moments you i i also get that feeling proud like the hero is winning the day kind of feeling So I will give that the gold potato. However, I also put potato skins, which is not enough there. It has its moments, but ultimately disappointing because as some listeners may be aware from previous episodes, this is not my favorite movie. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so You don't so, say. I, I, as we have said, the, the music is great. The animation is great. I, I think it has its points. But uh, overall, it's just not something that... I, I can't really get into it that much. And the characters, for me, don't really do it that much. And I think... I guess they're based on the story, so that can't be the fault of the movie. But the gargoyles in particular, I don't really
0: enjoy. I think it can be a part of the movie um, because... Obviously the characters in the novel would be more defined. The movie well, is purposely cutting out a lot of their story to try to make a plot that they could do in an hour and a half. So maybe yeah. they cut so out too much.
2: I think some of the yeah, the characters are not well, and you we you even we commented on how some of their stories are not fleshed out as well as they could be. And the gargoyles I didn't like very much at all. <laughs> um but yeah. So I had Black and gold potato skins. Oh boy! All right, Sarah.
1: I am so sorry for this now, potato I just made. <laughs> Do now you see it.
0: Now all right. Go ahead. Go ahead. I want to see how, how you justify this. Sometimes. Hey,
3: that's
2: exactly what I wanted to make, but I couldn't think of a potato to make for it.
1: Do you know sometimes when people are bored, they'll, like, carve vegetables and turn them into musical instruments? And sometimes they, I will send you a thing. Sometimes they do this with potatoes. And sometimes they make potatoes, like, into a a flute or something.
0: Or, uh, I fixed it for you. You can see what I wrote there.
1: Yes, that would work as well. Anyway... Sometimes they turn vegetables into instruments. Uh-huh. And so so that's my new potato. and it's a movie where the music is a very integral part of the movie and the movie really like makes the movie. I would say it's not just musicals cuz like I know some people say Tarantino movies are this way or um oh what's his face?
0: Yeah, I suppose um, um baby driver yes. Edgar Wright Edgar
1: Wright that's who I was thinking of is another one of these but this one the music and not only like the the song music but the background music and stuff is very uh um, very just moves the movie for me and so that is the potato I have just made up is potato instrument I said flute Carl said ocarina <laughs> So, I, potato no, instrument.
2: I'm glad that you said that, though, because that's I had thought about making up a new potato just for that reason. Because I was thinking, this whole movie like doesn't do much for me, but because of the music, I enjoyed it. So, <laughs> it's it, so, I was trying to think of a potato specifically for music, and I couldn't think of one. So, at least uh, you made up this something. Is,
0: so, I'm typing in your reviews as you're doing them, so I don't have to backfill these later. Uh, what I just typed in for Sarah's was... Potato, <laughs> ocarina.
3: <laughs> Potato,
1: um, but also Po-tato. I think um,
0: it, it,
1: Disney movies have very good music, but I think in some of them you get the the Disney feel music, and I think the adding of the, like the Gregorian chants and and that sort of kind of the church feel music really lends to letting you feel the setting feel the location being always in the shadow of this giant cathedral where the cathedral almost feels like it's and the bells almost feel like their own characters and so i that's why i feel kind of like this music is almost it is so important and needs its own potato um i would also do i think i was gonna do Steak and shake for second place potatoes. I really, really love this movie. 90% of this movie, I would say it's one of my favorite Disney movies. And then there's just this midget part that kind of ruins it for me. Um, I we've talked about that, and so that's kind of what makes it second place. It pulls it back. I've talked about like and and shout out to my friend Anna who talked through because she was one of the friends who was in the stage version of me talked about kind of the different incarnations of of Disney through their, their hunchback variations. She's also a very good listener of this show and always listens, so thank you for being a fan. Um, but it's one of those things that's, if I had the choice of going to see this on stage again or seeing the movie, I'd probably pick the stage version because it fixes that one thing in the movie that just bothers me so much. But, like, I think that 90% that's, like, a 10 doesn't get ruined by that that 10% that's like, doesn't fit.
0: So, I'm in agreement with both of you, though I didn't go to the extent of a steak and shake fries. Um, I'm definitely giving this a black potato. There are troubling issues in it um, which we've talked about throughout the podcast um, the other one I can give it is it's a potato casserole I think um, we talked about the different layers how I see which Sarah does not agree with that the gargoyles or the grotesque that are Quasimodo's friends they are mostly for children I think The children, the child that I was and the children that I know would get, would attach more to the gargoyles than any other character in the film, which is not true for Sarah.
1: Throughout this podcast, we've come to the realization we were very different children.
0: We were. The other thing is like, there are layers to it where if you understand Latin, you get a joke that nobody else gets, as Sarah pointed out. Uh, And so I do feel like... There are certain things that you'll see as an adult you didn't see as a child, certain things that you'll appreciate now that you may not appreciate as a child. And that leads me to my final rating here, which is the Red Robin Fries, which is this film is much better than I expected. I remember watching this film as a child, and it was definitely not one of my favorite Disney films. I think I watched it once, and then put it aside, and then I went back to watching Aladdin, and The Lion King, and The Little Mermaid, and Beauty and the Beast. Uh, And so, I didn't expect, going back to it, that I would enjoy watching it, but it is a very good film. I really enjoyed this watch of it, even though it had the troubling issues. And so I guess in total, I am making a black potato casserole featuring red robin fries <laughs> poked inside of it.
1: I'm not eating that.
0: No, it's not good to eat with your mouth, but it is a good representation of what this film is with potatoes. All right. you just
1: have steak and shake fries that you can blow into and they'll make a little flute sound. <laughs> <laughs> That's that sounds pretty great. delightful.
0: Yeah, uh I would love to see you do that. Like you're gonna have to put the steak and shake fries out for a while so that they harden and solidify. These
1: are magical fries, they are can the, do you what get I
0: want. Like
2: a big long curly fry that you can blow through and <laughs> make noise.
0: Alright, let's go on to our review scale, a more traditional scale that goes from zero to ten, telling our listeners should they go back and watch this movie.
1: This is this is where I'm gonna struggle.
2: So again, I wrote this down ahead of time because I had to go through and look at my other ratings. T-
1: we we all know that Sarah's numbers are just trash. Even so I just make we, up a number and it's fine. Them. I fixed them. And they're still trash. I just can't... I'm bad with numbers.
2: Yeah, and I... I've always so said that about you. I found a movie that I thought I liked this one better than this other movie. Uh, and I found a movie that I knew I liked better than this one. So somewhere in between those is kind of how I ended up with my number. <laughs> and I think while this is not one of my favorites it is still better than some other Disney movies, which we have discussed before. So,
1: you weren't there um, for that episode.
2: I was not there for that episode, but so I ended up at a 7.3 for mine <laughs> because... That is
1: specific.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Because there are some that I had at a seven that I knew I liked this better than those. I had some at a seven and a half that I liked better than this one. So I kind of stuck it in the middle somewhere. I don't know. I think... I I think if it was just the movie, I might have rated it lower than this, but because of the music and how much that plays into this movie, and I found, actually, that I had watched this a few days ago, and there were days this week that I would wake up, like, I'd just be sitting around and suddenly realize that I had one of the songs going in my head, like, without even thinking about it, and to me, that kind of (laughs) says how memorable the music is and how good the soundtrack is, and to me, that brings the rating up a bit.
1: I'd be interested to see if... Because I have the full a re- full recording of the Paper Mill Playhouse version online. And I wonder if you'd ever watch that and see if that fixes any of the problem. And Because there's a lot more music and a lot more stupid gargoyles. And so if you like the pretty music, maybe just listening to the pretty music of the stage show and having some of the other stuff cut, maybe you'd like that better. Just Just to see... In Mark's very, lots of opinions, what Mark's opinions are on that. Because I yeah. love a well, I love a Mark and, opinion.
2: And that's the th- like, even though, like what Carl said, I had watched this as a kid, and I don't remember liking it very much. Watching it now, I think it's better than I was expecting. Uh, still, it's not one that I'm going to go back to and watch all the time compared to some others. But if it's one that someone has not ever seen, I would definitely recommend watching it at least once because you have to make up your own opinion. So.
1: I'm gonna give it, and this is gonna be another weird number because, like I said, the music, a lot of the plot, a lot of the characters, a lot of the like the visuals and stuff. This is like a nine point five or ten for me. I think it's great. And then there's those certain things like the finger gun and guy like you and some <laughs> yeah. of the really stupid jokes. Oh, we didn't talk. I didn't talk about my favorite joke, which is the the guy continuously escaping and then falling into other traps.
0: Oh, I'm okay with that joke. That was really great. I like that that joke. joke. See,
1: that one I I was okay with. But, like, those things, I'm just like, it wasn't necessarily that they're bad. I think in a different movie, I would have been okay with them. It's just that the tone... Every, and I think they could have actually even worked if toned down and if, if the humor wasn't so almost modern and pop culture in a way, if, if the humor was maybe a little even more like Cogsworth and Lumiere and Beauty and the Beef and not quite so, like, quite so in your face, like...
2: Jason Alexander? Jason
1: Alexander!
2: Uh
0: Uh-huh.
1: I think I would have been okay with it, or if, like, those characters, I don't know, those take away from me, like, pulled me out so much, and so those detract, but everything else is good, and it pulls me somewhere into about an, an- 8.4?
0: Alright. Uh, so I am looking over my own ratings as we have recorded them, and I'm discovering that these are wrong. (laughs) Because I somehow gave, uh, according to our list right now which i'm going to fix as soon as we're done here i gave ducktail's treasure of the lost lamp uh nine and i gave gremlins a 6.3 Ooh. neither of which is true Ooh. i must have copied these in wrong after we fix them uh but i will handle that afterwards um but i was like I'm, yeah that seems right it is it is bad though i, I have another back. list here i
1: give an 8.6 okay
0: so i'm looking at what i've rated here and i had a number in my mind i think this is appropriate out of the the other things that i've listed i think i would put this in league with a return to oz Um, (laughs) i would put it in league with um what i have put in um, the Adams Family, and I know you guys disagree with this, but I had problems with The Muppet Christmas Carol. And Get out put, of this
1: house!
0: Yeah, I'm not in that house. Um, though I put all of those at an 8.7. And the number I had watching this film, The Hunchback Notre Dame, was putting it at a 9. The Troubling Issues knocked it out of a 10, but it's still a very good watch, and I still really enjoyed... revisiting this movie but i think an 8.7 is where i'm gonna end on here just because that's more consistent with my other ratings
1: i have to look at my thing again because now i'm looking i was looking at the wrong ones i wasn't looking at the updated
0: you have your own copy
1: no on the share i I think
2: the one that's up there is the updated
1: one isn't it it
0: yeah i i updated the one um on our shared ooh, sheet. After I just saw that I thing. gave
1: Tarzan an 8.75. I like this better than Tarzan. Okay. What did I give Hercules?
0: Yeah,
2: see, that's what I was looking at too, though, because I gave Tarzan you a gave, seven and I said, this is, is better Hercules than is a Tarzan. Nine? A
0: nine. Yeah, right.
1: Ooh. Ooh. Ooh.
0: Ooh. ooh. I put ooh. this
1: between the two. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. So I guess an 8.8 8 will have to, it'll have to be an 8 if I'm
0: putting it. Anywho, Sarah's I think gonna that is going to close out our reviews. Uh, so that leads us to Sarah telling you where you can find us online. Should you choose to do so?
1: Uh, you can find us at retrograding.fireside.fm. Does that sound right? No. Yep.
0: That's our website. <laughs> Oh, it helps
1: if I type in the right thing. You can find us at Facebook at Retro Grading Podcast.
0: Which Sarah would be good at. Better at posting things, because our last episode, The Iron Giant, still hasn't been announced and has had some very small downloads compared to other episodes.
1: Oh, apparently it's just retrograding, not retrograding podcast. At Retrograding, you can find each other at Retrograding Party Line. Um, Our music is done by Dominique Barnes.
0: Who continues to be great.
1: I lost my notebook, and that has all of my things i say in it normally and so i'm having to look up on the internet what they actually are
0: yeah that's okay because i wing the introduction to our games every single time and only manage to remember what i'm supposed to say as i'm saying it that is going to lead us to our final game which is guys i learned something today Now this is another one that I don't normally prepare, and I certainly haven't prepared what I'm about to say right now. I only have the vaguest of ideas of a lesson that I can learn from this film, but I'm going to go with it. Uh, Which is to say, just because you find a girl attractive doesn't mean that she necessarily has to be with you, and you don't need to burn Paris to the ground if she rejects you. So that is the lesson that I've taken from this film. I'm going to let our audience mull on that in the coming month uh, before we return for our next episode. So that is going to close this episode of Retrograding. We will catch you guys next time. (laughs)